Welcome, creeps, to Ghoul School Special 2016, number two. I'm head Satanist Garot Duncan. I'm Chud Loaf. We're taking a break from our Criterion creep to explore the wide field of horror cinema in hopes of finding enriching rotten tubers amongst the dreck. Before we t- uh, talk about what we've seen, and we have seen a lot of shit. Uh, how are you, RJ? Uh, I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm uh, happy Thanksgiving, Jared. Happy Canadian, Canadian Thanksgiving. Yeah, yes, happy yeah. Canadian Thanksgiving to you as well. Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm uh, currently bouncing between uh, family Thanksgivings. I have three to attend. Uh, I have my girlfriend's uh, parents, and then uh, my parents are divorced, so I have two holidays always with them. Yay! Yeah, so I got two to go to today, so it's going to be a rock and roll kind of a Monday. Sweet. Um, yeah, my, uh, my, well, my parents, they're not divorced, but, uh, they just didn't do Thanksgiving. Uh, <laughs> probably cause they don't love you that see, there you go. They love each other. They don't love mm-hmm. us, the children. Um, yeah. So Saturday I went to the girlfriend's place for, mm-hmm. uh, her family's Thanksgiving stuff that came in the form of ham. And, Ooh, ham. um, so I had some ham and mm-hmm. then, uh, yesterday me and the girlfriend, we, uh, went and made ourselves a, a chicken. A little chicken. Yep. A little we, nice little chicken. Oh, it was a delicious chicken, too. Nice, thick meat on that thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was outstanding. With some peas and uh, some rice. Yeah. Um, rice. Yeah. Boring. Oh, rice is so good, my friend. You know what uh, I really like? Um, so I'm going to – I'll state for the record here. I am a big advocate of Thanksgiving dinner. I know that's lame or – boring because yes because i think i feel like the new trend is people to be like oh i don't like thanksgiving turkey whatever because i know you're like that and i know you're a trendsetter so Mm -hmm. um but i am one of those guys who does admire the thanksgiving dinner it's one of my faves but uh rice i think is boring because you know what we do we take potatoes and then a sweet potato and then we boil them up and we mash them together but it's kind of like a chunky mash so it's like kind of mashed and kind of like rustic still so you got the white potatoes and then you got the sweet potato and it's a good mix man i suggest you try it one day and you said thanksgiving wasn't boring exactly think of all the things you can do with potatoes there you have it folks (laughs) (laughs) yep that's it um you know what i'm eating tonight for my uh thanksgiving monday dinner kfc steak good old ribeye steak Actually, uh, my dad, um, we usually, for any holiday, have uh, some sort of beef. And we had prime rib yesterday for Thanksgiving at my oh. dad's house. So Beauty. Turkey today. Meat all around. Lovely. Yeah. Well, I think when we were uh, planning this episode out uh, last week, we were thinking, we're, we're going to talk about horror books. We're going to get into that discussion. But then I looked and realized how many goddamn movies we've watched. Um <laughs> Yeah, because you've been on a tirade lately. Yeah, I mean, I've pro- I've watched about a regular human being's uh, horror movies for a month already. I'm mm-hmm. already there. So, uh, yeah, and it's we're only one third through the month, which is about exactly where I want to be. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I look back. I usually hit about 88 movies, horror movies, uh, right. each, each uh, October the last couple of years. So I'm well mm-hmm. on my way to hitting that. Um, so you know what? I think we're going to forego news. We're going to forego a topic, and we're just yep. going to get right on creeping. It's best best thing I've heard all day, man. Let's get into it. We're just going to grab that episode by the pussy. Oh, topical. Whoa. Whoa. 
Okay. Well, yeah, that's fun. All right. Well, first up for me was I watched uh, the Sammo Hung martial arts uh, ghost movie called Encounters of the Spooky Kind. Ooh, that sounds pretty rad. Yeah, it's got a good title. Um, mm-hmm. So I bought this on uh, a Chinese region-free Blu-ray last year because I was kind of in the, like, I was trying to figure out all the good, like, Chinese Hong Kong horror movies. Um, mm-hmm. and it's not like they're making a ton of them in this period of time in the uh, late 70s, early 80s. Um, a lot of them are uh, what are called Category 3 films, which mean that they're, like, R-rated and, like, super extreme, mm-hmm. like, everything you imagine with, like, extreme Asian cinema sometimes, of, like, exploding yeah. people and some good old-fashioned rape. Um, oh. Encounters of the Spooky Kind is actually a fairly, like, benign affair compared to mm-hmm. some of the stuff I've watched. Like, that, I'm talking about, like, things like uh, Boxer's Omen and um, Black Magic, Black Magic 2, uh, things with such great titles as, like, Centipede Horror. Um, this is mm-hmm. just... Uh, a good old kind of like it's at times martial arts film that just so involves uh, reanimated corpses um, and evil ghosts and shamans. Mm-hmm. Uh, the movie the movie just follows uh, Samuel Hung's, uh, I think he's, he seems like courageous something. And he's married to a wife who's uh, two-timing him with his own boss. And Ooh, uh, he almost finds out about this. And so, like, obviously the best route of uh, taking care of Samuel Hung and his suspicions, uh, the boss and his wife figure, is to have him just killed. And so Ooh, yeah. um, they uh, hire a evil shaman character to, like, basically make it look like an accident or just, like, whatever. They, they don't even mm-hmm. care about making it look like an accident. They just want to kill this dude off. Um, I got gotcha. And hijinks ensue. There's uh, lots of like re- hopping reanimated corpse bodies that are ghosts and stuff like that. We get some uh, like th- that classic um, like mirror gag that you've seen like Marx Brothers movies where like two characters mm-hmm. are dressed the same. But in this case, it's Samo Hung and a corpse that he's like uh, kind of bonded with temporarily. And they're like, they look to one side, they look another, he, one looks behind him. He doesn't know it's there. They, yeah, they're buddies. They're buddies. And then they're not. And then there's a oh. turn. And then they start martial arting. Uh, again, this is like the f- the earliest movie in my creep, so it's a l- little foggy mm-hmm. already, just amongst That's all okay. the other beatdown stuff. But yep. it, the last like ten minutes of this movie are pretty spectacular. Like, it's like they're all on top of like these uh, altars that they've built, which are just big giant scaffoldings in this middle of this like courtyard. And mm-hmm. the, the, the there's now there's a second good wizard that's helping Samo Hung's character, and they're just like throwing uh, fireballs at one another and like trying to outdo one another. And they're using Samo Hung and other like guys from the bad guy side, I suppose uh, is like kind of um, avatars for like spirits. So Samo Hung gets possessed by a monkey Kung Fu spirit and the other one gets possessed by, I don't even recall exactly. And they have fights and Samo Hung gets to ham it up and flip around, act like a monkey for a while. And -hmm. then things get a little bit more serious um, but this movie's got some sweet, uh, good old fashioned stunt work with guys falling from like 40 foot scaffolding just onto the ground, uh, awesome. just, just with like a bed of dirt kind of to make their landing. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, there's nothing particularly horrific about this film other than it's like, it deals with the supernatural, uh, mm-hmm. but it's, it's pretty well like a horror comedy, more on the comedy side. Um, was it fun though? Yeah, uh, it was fun. It was yeah. it was fine. It was good. I mean, I think as far as like these like uh, evil wiz- evil sorcerer kung f- Hong Kong 
movies I've watched. It's probably mm-hmm. the best made overall. Um, it's not the most right. horrific, but I'd say it's like definitely one of the, like, I think most people could probably watch this and like find it uh, super charming. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like the, the last like 15 seconds of the movie are spectacular. Um, mm. it basically involves what uh, his, uh, Sam Hung's wife, she gets her comeuppance because she like comes running out after like the, the good guys have won. And she's like, oh my God, your boss, you raped me and was keeping me aside this whole time. And um. uh, Sam Hung wants none of that. And he just, fucking lights her up with just gut punches like he he just hammers her in the stomach like 10 times it's like holy shit and then he grabs her picks her up over his head and is about to hurl her onto an open burning pit and then the film just freeze frames and just credits and uh yeah yeah, that's so spoilers. That's the best part of the movie Mm. (laughs) because it's just like you just don't you don't see it coming and it's just like wow okay all right yeah I think that sounds wicked. Yep. Just that ending, but yeah. I, I probably won't watch it now that you spoiled it for me. But yep. um, it does sound cool. Right? Yeah. No, it's uh, it's it's good. It's it's like I said, it's got some charm to it. Um, gotcha. Uh, then uh, that same night, I followed it up with a, uh, I guess you would call a neo black exploitation film called mm. Death by Temptation from 1990. Uh, it's directed and stars a one-time director named James Bond the Third. Um, okay. yeah. And so it is a film, uh, set in New York, I believe. And, uh, it just follows this tale. It basically works almost like it's like, a uh, a moral, like, Hey, it's after school special thing about, uh, HIV, but mm-hmm. it's like, I guess it's aimed toward like the men, of like the African community in some ways because it's like this whole undercurrent in it is about like there's this succubus woman who is seducing men uh, to go back to her bedroom which looks like something right out of like uh, Tommy Wiseau's The Room with lots of billowing uh, gauze curtains and stuff like that on this big like four-posted bed and Mm -hmm. basically she's yeah she's a succubus she's evil and she just like kills men in like variously horrific ways um there's like, yeah, so yeah, you get invited up, she seduces you, things are like going real fine and great. And then, mm-hmm. then you have, then you suddenly find yourself in a blood shower and then she hunts you down and eats you. And other times you have sex with her, but then she like cuts you up with her uh, fingernails. And then now you've mm-hmm. got like horrific diseases, um, mm-hmm. really driving home that, uh, veneral, uh, venereal disease, uh, <laughs> angle. Yeah. Uh, so that's like kind of like that's the antagonist of the movie. This this succubus mm-hmm. living in the community that keeps going to the exact same bar and just keeps bringing home uh, black men and killing them or infecting them, whatever. And so the B story is about a, uh, or I guess the A story, I suppose. The main character, who played by James Bond the Third, he is uh, a guy who's been raised to be a preacher. Um, mm-hmm. His father, who's played by Samuel L. Jackson uh, back there in 1990, um, who was, I guess, killed by this succubus because mm-hmm. uh, he was tar- he was targeted for whatever reason uh, 20 years earlier. And so his father, who was a preacher, is dead. And now he's a preacher. And he's come up to visit his cousin, uh, who is a actor uh, mm-hmm. living in New York. And he's going to go hang out and have a good time with them while he's like taking a year from finishing seminary school. Um, and so the film just kind of turns into this thing where like the succubus is trying to like seduce the, the good, uh, preacher's son. And, uh, I don't know. So this movie, it is very cheap. 
Uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's obvious, like, it's actually shot, like, it's kind of like, uh, the cinematographer uh, is uh, Ernest Dickerson, who would kind of like, go on to, like, have his own, like, film career. Like, he'd work yes. on, like, Oz, the TV show. Uh, he directed uh, the movie, like, Surviving the Game, a uh, bunch of other stuff. Uh, he, but this movie, like, clearly, uh, I'm not sure if this is, like, his first thing that he shot or just, like, and he was hampered by, like, this small budget. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know if I'd super recommend this movie. You, you have to be really into, I guess, horror stuff to, like, uh, maybe find this movie as interesting as I did. It's a movie I kind right. of, like, I kept thinking about because it's got some really good visuals. Like, despite, like, all of its, like, low-budget trappings, um, it really comes off well in the sense that it's got this, like, yeah, the, the makeup is actually fairly neat. Uh, it's mm-hmm. got this, like, kind of, like, rough quality to it. Uh, James Bond the Third is not much of an actor, though, and he's, like, mm-hmm. he's so he's super soft-spoken and, like, this meek man that it's, like, kind of hard to, like, buy him as, like, an actor, which is a problem. Right. <laughs> um, and, like, I don't know. Uh, with Bill Nunn, who uh, just died, that... Um, What's his name? Raheem from uh, Do the Right Thing. Uh, mm-hmm. He's in it. He's good. He's just like this, like kind of like loudish uh, man who just hits on women at the bar all the time. But then it turns out he's actually working with the uh, FBI as like, in investigating like spooky encounters and like Ooh. other stuff. Like, but it comes out of absolutely nowhere, and he's just got this like old computer in, in his like bedroom that he like does this research on, which right. is explained talking about like, yeah, this is all real and going on and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, Death by Temptation, uh, Troma, uh, distributed oh. this film after the, okay. after it was made. Um, and they just put Samuel Jackson all over this thing, even though <laughs> Samuel Jackson's probably in this movie for approximately 90 seconds, uh, all told, right. like actual screen time. Um, but yeah. there he is front and center on every, all the packaging, but he's really mm-hmm. not in this, but That's how it goes. yeah, but if you're kind of, uh, interested in kind of like offbeat, uh, Neo black exploitation horror films. I don't know if there's very many places mm-hmm. you can go than Death by Temptation, especially after you've watched something like Tales from the Hood. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's probably also a lot better than uh, Wes Craven's uh, Vampire of Brooklyn. Mm, I remember that being pretty good. Yeah, I think Eddie Murphy's pretty spectacular in that, isn't he? Like with his uh, his Jerry curl. Um, perhaps. Um, perhaps. Perhaps. Time will tell. Yeah. Um, and I think mm-hmm. before I went to bed that. Uh, night, I watched "To All a Good Night" from 1980. Uh, that's directed by Christmas movie. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, it's it's a Christmas slasher set in a sorority house. Oh, um, so okay. it's very fresh. Uh, mm-hmm. Lots of new ideas. Um, mm-hmm. It's from director David Hess, uh, who uh, who's actually I think that's his only movie he directed. He's an actor who made his mark by playing scumbag, 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 rapey, rapey, a bunch of other movies like Last House on the Left. Uh, this movie called Hitchhike that I like a lot. Um, I think I'm even overlooking one. Oh, uh, la, la, geez, what's it called? Mm, it just came out. Oh, Last House on the or House on the Edge of the Park. That's it. He's in that. Okay. And he's a rapist, a rapist, and a rapist. All three of those films. He, mm-hmm. yeah, he's, I I, th- I think he's great as an actor, as a director. He, I, I don't even know. This movie didn't seem like it was directed by anybody. Um, yeah. I, I've started to realize I'm not really a big fan of sorority house, like, horror movies, which, mm-hmm. like, you'd think, like, oh, there can't be very many of those. But au contraire, mm-hmm. there, there's a lot. Um, I think I have two in my list. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and they're pretty obscure ones, not even like 
a lot of the big ones that I think people would yeah. recognize. So uh, to all good night is another entry in that. Um, yeah, there's like a guy who's dressed as a Santa Claus and he's killing women in a sorority mm-hmm. house. It is boring. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like there's like a couple, like all the killing happened. Like the first batch of killings all happened in, like in the first like half hour, 20 minutes. And then there's nothing for like a half hour. It's just right. characters wandering around that you don't care about, you don't like. There's no one that jumps out as being any of any interest whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, boring. movie's boring. Characters like just having sex boringly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, it stunk. It's probably the one of the worst films of the batch I've watched so far. Ooh, okay. Well, we'll mark it. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend anyone waste their time yeah. watching it. It's pretty dull stuff. Uh, so RJ. You can hop in here with some of your uh, viewing. All right. I'm going to burn through a couple of these bad boys. Do it. Um, so the first up that I watched after we last talked was uh, the Jim Wynorski classic from 1986, Chopping Mall. Yeah. And uh, I feel a little bit duped by this movie because uh, I actually, I didn't read the synopsis because I'm a weirdo and I don't read the synopsis. I just go off of people's impressions and if it has – what I hear about it and then just go into it blindly. And uh, the poster I thought was like, it says chopping mall in red. And it's like, looks like a ghouly arm holding up a bag with something tearing through. But uh, after I watched the movie, I was like, wait a minute. And I looked at the poster again, a little closer and it's not a ghoul arm. It's a robot arm. <laughs> and so I was like, Oh man. Cause I thought it was like a ghouly movie, but uh, it was about killer robots. So the yes, movie is, is about, uh, like a mall gets these um, like sentinel robot things to be security. And then uh, there's a group of hot teens who um, stay in the mall after it closes for a sex orgy party in the furniture room yep. or in the furniture store. As you do. And then as you do. And then the robots mistake them as uh, burglars and then blow their heads up and hunt them down. And then the kids go rogue and have to fight the robots. So I think that's pretty much all this movie is about. Did star some uh, 80s horror cl- uh, classic icons like Barbara Crampton and Dick Miller for a couple minutes. Oh, and uh, uh, don't, uh, you might have missed them because you haven't watched uh, their, enough of their movies, but uh, Paul Bartel mm-hmm. and Mary Wernoff, they show up mm-hmm. right at the very beginning of this in character uh, as their characters from the movie Eating Raoul, which is also a Criterion mm-hmm. film. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I w- wasn't aware of them, but I heard about it after the fact. A lot yeah. of people brought that up. So, yes. um, I thought this movie was all right. Uh, I, to be honest, I don't think I was really in the mood for it. I wanted something with like monsters and shit. So teens battling robots. Like I was like, okay, it's fine. There was a, there's some nudity, which was appreciated. Um, and there were some cool fighting and explosions, but other than that, I don't really have anything much to say about Chopping Mall. It's fine. Yeah. I thought it was all right. Like, yeah, I think I watched that last year and, mm-hmm. um, I feel pretty well the same way. Like it's not, it's not bad. It's not a bad movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- th- there's like a bunch of like Jim Wynorski movie posters in the background of it. Yeah. I noticed um, that. Um, and I just remember characters just kind of dying. Um, I, I love the idea. I don't know. There's something really neat about uh, being like locked inside a mall, um, mm-hmm. like after hours, uh, as like famously depicted in something like Dawn of the Dead, which is a, right. f- 
uh, far superior film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's, um, but yeah, like I said, like it's like it's just like it's an okay movie. It's like mm-hmm. it's like probably when you're like out watching like horror stuff for this time of year, and you just like are finding like different stuff to check out. You could do a lot worse than Chopping Mall. Yep, it's inoffensive and mindless killer robots. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's fine. Uh, I just like I said. I was in the mood for some monsters, so I, uh, I felt tricked on that one. But I guess that's my fault for not reading what a movie is actually about before I watch it. Yeah, you're like those parents that like go into movies and be like, "What? What is this? This movie's got violence in it." It's like, what's the? Well, well, no, I would like I would pay attention <laughs> to stuff like that. But I mean, for my Halloween creeping, it's mm. like if I see the movie pop up a lot, or if I know the director or actors, I'll just be like, "All right, I'll watch it," because mm-hmm. it's like I'll, I'll watch whatever for for the Creeptober. But, uh, yeah, so that's fine. Uh, and then I watched um, the 1960 movie directed by John Lewin Moxie, uh, sometimes called City of the Dead, sometimes called Horror Hotel. I'm not sure which one it actually – on Letterboxd, it's City of the Dead, but I have heard it called both. Uh, and this one stars my main man, Christopher Lee, uh, throwing down some stuff. So this was the first Christopher Lee joint of the year. Always got to have some, Jared. And yeah. uh, this one was really good, actually. It was um, – it opens during like old New England during like witch trial stuff, and uh, one lady gets accused of being a witch, and they burn her alive, and she kind of makes a, a proclamation of curses upon the town, and then you jump to the 60s, and uh, you see a very dapper, handsome Christopher Lee teaching uh, a small room of grad students about, or he was telling the story about the witch trial. Right. So it's kind of like, I don't know if it's like an American. American folklore class or what it was, but like his, like the, the topic or like the whole point of the course was like witches and witchcraft and cults and stuff like that. And, uh, you have one kind of, you have one young grad student girl who's very interested in it. So she decides she's going to go to this town and, uh, or he, he recommend, or she asks Christopher Lee for some more details and he says, Hey, why don't you just go to the town? It's still there. It's a nice little community. So she goes and then uh, she checks into the horror hotel and uh, there's some weird stuff going on there. Um, some spooky things happen. And then the girl gets, uh, finds a cellar in her room and goes down and then finds an altar waiting for her and she gets sacrificed. And that's all in the opening Jarrett. So spoilers, I guess, but that's just the opening. And then what happens is the girl's boyfriend and brother know she's been there, but she hasn't talked to them in a couple weeks. So uh, they go to the town to investigate. And that is City of the Dead. Um, I won't say much else because I think it's a pretty good movie that people should watch. Uh, I thought it was awesome. There's a really nice aesthetic to it. There's It's all fog all the time. There's so much fog in this movie. And uh, the town itself, it looks like it was on a sandlot maybe, and they just made like – three buildings like uh the hotel the church a house and a graveyard mm-hmm. and they just filled it with fog and that was your your little town and they just filmed everything there so it, it looks great um black and white with the all the nice mr gray fog and stuff like that uh yeah movie is wicked yeah yeah i haven't watched this yet um i will definitely be trying to check it out i might even try to squeeze it in uh this month um i think i've read uh some glowing praise saying i think from people who usually watch black and white movies uh those movies try uh, usually try to make them kill themselves um uh, so and this one didn't do that 
So, mm-hmm. hey, I mean, there you go. Yeah, um, I don't know. I was entertained the whole time, and uh, Christopher Lee's in it a little bit, so that's always a plus. And yep. uh, I just thought, good story. Uh, it looked great, and it was just, it was a good one to watch near the start because, uh, as you know, I had a rocky start, so I was like, uh, and this mm-hmm. one kind of helped me out. And then, uh, so I'm just going to talk about, I did a, dub, a hammer doubleheader. Ooh, so okay. I watched uh, The Curse of the Werewolf from 1961 and The Curse of the Mummy's Tomb from uh, 1964. So um, for anyone not aware, these are the uh, the hammer monster movies. Uh, it was the first in the werewolf series, but I think the second in the mummy series. Um, and I, I liked them both. I thought they were both pretty good. I don't have like a ton of stuff to say. Um, there were period or the crystal werewolf was period piece. Uh, I think it starts off with, um, this King who's just a real prick and his like fiance or someone that he's like courting, uh, basically like stands up to him when he's making fun of like a hobo. So he locks her into a cell with like the, like some dude down there and she gets raped and then she kills the, the King and then she has a baby, but the baby's got some weird tendencies. And then he grows up, and it's uh, Javier Bardem, Oliver Reed, and he's a, a werewolf. And it was pretty good. Like, so I saw him, and I was like, "Who is that?" And then and I walked, and I was like, I was looking through his stuff. I was like, "Oh, he's from The Devils." But then I was like, "Oh, he was the old man in Gladiator." All right, so. <laughs> That's all that I knew him from Gladiator uh, more than anything that, else. Which... That, that's so charming that you, you're not familiar with uh, old Ollie Reed. He's yeah. uh, he he's magnificent. <laughs> yeah, he's great. He was really good in this. Uh, yeah. There's a really cool scene where uh, spoilers at the end when he gets shot, he like really sells his death. Like he's like throwing his body around and stuff. So that was really cool. Yeah. Um, I don't have a lot to say about that. I liked it. Thought it was good. Mm-hmm. People yeah, should watch it. Well, it's more of a character piece, really. Like it's like. Pretty mm-hmm. like low key horror, um, and it's yeah. more just about like a man struggling with being a werewolf and being cursed, and mm-hmm. like not really wanting to like go out and kill, and he wants to be like basically like sealed away, and if or or just put down himself, like he just doesn't want to yep. go on. Um, yeah, I watched that a few years ago. Um, I dug it. I think it was like definitely had a different vibe than a lot of the Hammer horror stuff does. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, my friend. So that was think, cool. Yeah, my friend Stephen borrowed that, I think, too. And uh, I remember him being like, "Oh, the movie was so boring. Like he just didn't like it at all." And yeah. I was like, "Uh, but he's, I, he, I think if you're in the mood for it, yeah, yeah." And how about that Mummy's Tomb? Chris and the Mummy Tomb. Uh, so this one is kind of a weird one because it's pretty standard fare. There's nothing really like the movie itself. There's nothing really that stand or. As a whole, it's not that great, but it has a few individual elements that I think make it a pretty decent watch. Uh, hey, Jared, do you like guys in blackface? Absolutely. It's one do you of my like guys, things. Do you like guys in tan face uh, and Egyptian face? So this, mo- this movie features a lot of uh, white actors with bla- uh, black paint and like tan fa- paint and stuff like that to yep. give them the look of ethnicity. Um, so this one, I think is more in line with the standard mummy movies. I think it takes place in like the twenties or something like that. Like when they're excavating tombs and stuff and there's not really anything to the story. Like it's basically what you expect. They open up a tomb and then the mummy goes and kills people because of a curse. Uh, there, there was just a few things that I thought were like 
there's a few moments in between that I thought were, uh, that stood out. Um, there's one guy who says this really funny line where he sees the mummy and he's like, I don't know who the hell you are, but don't joke about it. And I don't know why I thought that was really funny. I just thought it was such a weird thing to say. Um, and then the en- the ending is pretty cool. Um, the-, the mummy comes into a room, and I'm just going to tell you guys, he, like, crushes a dude's head, or, like, a skull, just by stomping on it. And it was really unexpected. And I was like, whoa, what the fuck? And then he, like, straight arms a guy as he walks away. And then there's a-, a scene where he's, like, going through the sewers and stuff. And that was all really cool. But I, I guess that's probably... The only things that really stood out were the ending where the the mummy crushes a dude and then he's walking through the sewers. Other than that, it's, I don't know, it's every other mummy movie you've ever seen, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of funny, like, with the hammer horror stuff, um, of all the stuff that I've watched, like, the, it usually heads toward, like, oh, just okay. Um, maybe maybe, <laughs> at, a, maybe a, uh, at a later point I can put a little bit more thought into, like, what are the actual really good hammer horror movie stuff that I've seen. Yeah. Um, cause there's a lot of like stuff that's just like, Oh yeah. Like very mm-hmm. much product of a studio shooting on sets at, uh, whatever is Pinewood or whatever. And yeah, yeah. Like it's like, Oh, there's British actors in them, but, uh, they're kind of like, I don't know. Other than like when they start getting into the gore and stuff like that, it's just like, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. There's like a lot of like really good stories in there, but I could be totally wrong. Uh, I mean, I've, I've watched, I mean, I have actually at this point watched a good deal of it. Maybe I should do that. Maybe I should think about that. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. So uh, that was four movies, I guess. I can uh, swing it back over to you. Okay. So um, after taking a little bit of a uh, side trip to Salo, which actually turned out to be quite the uh, horror picture in itself, mm-hmm. uh, then uh, watched uh, Sugar Hill, another uh, black exploitation mm-hmm. film. This one's from 1974. Um, it's about it's a revenge movie. Uh, and right. it follows a story of a uh, some some gangsters kill uh, Sugar Hill's uh, boyfriend who owns a club, and she decides I want to get revenge, and I'm going to go hire a voodoo man to help me do that, and he's going to bring back some zombies, and we're going to get revenge mm-hmm. on the people who killed my boyfriend. Um, right. That's that's about it in a summary. Um, the highlight of this film is definitely the uh, zombie makeup, which, yeah. like, it's just, like, a bunch of their actors, they're, like, kind of, like, been sprayed in, like, black and gray makeup to, like, accentuate the contours of their bodies. Um, they've also been sprayed in cobwebs. So mm-hmm. no matter, like, how many days they've spent out of the graves, uh, they're still covered in cobwebs. So it gives them this weird, like, kind of, um, like, shieldy look to them. Like, they just have this, like, layer of uh, cobweb all in their front stuff like that and but they also have like I guess what I, I didn't really figure out what it was but it's like almost like a spoon like the actual like ladle mm-hmm. the spoon but it's like over their eyeballs okay. <laughs> and so they, they're they walking around and they have these like metallic round like insect eyes and that's how you know they're zombies and that's right. about it and they just rove around in like large packs and they just mm-hmm. they kill people and they sneak around um the other highlight is the guy who's the uh, voodoo master. Um, he's like fantastic. He just just Baron Zamadi, uh, who mm-hmm. is I guess like an actual like the name of like one of these like kind of mythic like voodoo figures in like right. Haitian culture. Um, mm-hmm. 
He's the Lord of the Dead, and he just appears like he's like usually in disguise. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll just be like sometimes he's like the manservant, sometimes he's a cab driver uh, delivering these uh, poor Italian gangsters to their death because he's like just yeah. told them, "Hey, your boss wants to meet you," and he they goes, "Okay," and he gets into this car, and then he gets driven out to like a farmhouse. And he's like, "Hey, where's the boss at?" <laughs> it's like this is like a normal thing. If it just mm-hmm. wasn't this like man I've never met before telling me the boss is out in the middle of a field, um, I believe him. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, the movie just progresses the way that revenge movies from the 1970s kind of do as they work through each level of, like, the lower tier gangster guys to get, till they build up to the last gangster boss. Right. Um, yeah, that's about it. And it was good. If you really like your black exploitation films uh, and your horror, this is just mm-hmm. a fine entry. There's not a lot to choose from. Um and I don't really have too much to say about it. For some reason, I thought Pam Greer was in this, and she was not. Uh, um, disappointing. Yeah. Just fine. And then no. I followed that up with another uh, 70s exploitation film called Killer Nun, and that's from 1979. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie's got Anita Ekberg, uh, who's mm-hmm. another uh, mentioning of this on the show of uh, uh, La Dolce Vita, your favorite film. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. And uh, uh-huh. so she she's a nun who is a uh, cancer survivor. She had a mm-hmm. brain tumor removed, but it's also left her like in constant pain and out of her mind. And sure. she's at a country and uh, people start dying because and she doesn't know she's responsible for it. Um And she kind of wants to leave. So there's bits with her like going out, uh, strumpeting up and seducing men. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's basically, essentially the whole thing is she's being framed by another nun who is like in lesbian lust with her. And Ooh. so, yeah, you see a lot, some lots of uh, boobs in this movie. Uh, not a lot, but you see some. Hachi. Yep. As exploitation needs to ha- do it. And yeah, this movie more or less is, just very generic and pretty forgettable. Mm-hmm. Um, like nothing like of all these like non exploitation movies that I want to check out. Um, none will ever probably live up to like my idea of like the ultimate non exploitation movie. Uh, I'm, I'm going to keep checking out. I've got about four of these lined up for this month. Uh, mm-hmm. One called like Satanico Pandemonium, which sounds awesome, but yep. I just have this feeling it's going to be a dry affair. <laughs> like yeah. they, they always seem to be like that. Um, there's this one called School of the Unholy Beast. Uh, it's Japanese. Uh, there's another one called like Sins of Sister Lucia, um, which I think is going to be a little bit more on the porny side uh, rather than the uh, horror side. But I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to find out. Um, yeah. But yeah, it always seems like, I mean, outside of like The, the Devils, which I guess has, uh, has Oliver Reed and uh, Crazy Nuns, um, <laughs> I think everything's going to always fall quite a bit short of like what I think right. these movies could be. Uh, mm-hmm. Though there's one that was not too bad called uh, Flavia the Hectic or the Heretic, mm-hmm. and um, that one was good because it had some good uh, good setting, good use of the environment because it was a medieval story. Um, yeah, and actually, I think I have another nun exploitation movie that I slipped into my list too. It's a Jess Franco movie called uh, The Demons. So I don't know nuns. How do you feel about nuns, nuns RJ? Being a Catholic uh. boy. I'm pretty pretty okay with them. I have no uh, no strong opinions for or against nuns, so I take it as it is. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
while while at work on break, I checked out this uh, short film on YouTube uh, that I'd seen people on Letterboxd talking up called Dawn of an Evil Millennium. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's got a wicked title. It's from 1988, and what it actually is is it's a 20 minute trailer for a movie that doesn't exist that never got made, but it's kind of just like this uh, pretty well like art exploitation experimental film uh, that just depicts yeah. this movie. It's a mashup of like everything that uh, director Damon Packard probably thought was amazing at the time. So it's like Blade mm-hmm. Runners thrown in there, uh, The Hidden. Um, and it's just a mash of like an alien has landed on Earth and he just starts murdering people graphically and gorily mm-hmm. with practical effects abounding. Uh, it's all shot, I think, on probably something like Super 8. So it's got this like beautiful low-res quality that's like kind of uh, flattened out a lot by watching it uh, as a YouTube video. It's been really compressed. Um, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd actually really be curious to see it like an actual like high quality thing like on like a larger screen just to see how well it looks like it holds up like blown up mm-hmm. uh but you know it's the first half of it is like pretty entertaining stuff it mm-hmm. looks really good uh shot in los angeles which like has such a great unique color um it's once it's a city i've never been to in my life and i've always like thought it would be like a really fun place to check out uh i really love that los angeles skyline i like to think it's all due to michael mann Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd say the second half of Donovan Evil Millennium really drags. It's just because it it's this ongoing trailer gag and things just kind of keep building and building. So you have like the first thing is like the alien lands and just starts killing men and uh, all over the right. streets of Los Angeles. And then you get your uh, like Blade Runner like character wearing like the Harrison Ford jacket from that movie. Uh, he's like right. on the case. And then you get like kind of car chases, which are just like cameras shooting guys driving in cars with intense music over it. And then it like changes tune to like another scene where it's like we're back on that aliens like home planet, which is just like this dark, darkly lit swamp land. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, it gets kind of tedious especially when you're just like watching it at, at a work desk on your computer on youtube but i thought it had some like really nice imagery and stuff like that and sometimes that's all you can hope for uh mm-hmm. watching short films uh this way uh and then i got home and uh i watched from beyond the grave Ooh, yeah um, which that's one i've been meaning yeah. to watch yeah and that's uh from 1974 uh, it's another anthology movie from Britain. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's the one about the with the uh, pawn shop. Where they, uh, I think it's like a pawn shop where some yeah. guy goes in and buys like an artifact and then takes it home. And, and, and then, then well, and then that's where the storytelling yes. takes place. Yeah, and that's the one where yeah, yeah what happens is it's uh, Peter Cushing's the uh, the antique store uh, owner, <laughs> and what happens is right. each of the people who like run afoul of him they've like ripped him off like they mm-hmm. they try to like rip like they, they either try to steal from him or steal from him or like undercut him on his prices and like they, they brag about it oh he didn't know what he had but right. he always gets the last laugh because all these people die terribly um so the first story was with david warner um from mm-hmm. star trek 5 fame and Whoa. uh he is, and I guess like he's also in the movie The Omen. He gets his head cut off with a sheet of glass. Mm-hmm. Um, he is he buys a mirror, uh, takes it back later like that week. He has a seance with some friends, which inadvertently awakens this like evil soul that's in the mirror, um, and that mirror starts driving him to like bring uh, ladies and men to his uh, 
back to his apartment and kill them. Uh, and this like blood sacrifice kind of starts bringing this ghost spirit back from behind the mirror. So it's kind of Hellraiser territory. Mm-hmm. Um, the second story is uh, with Donald Pleasance and his uh, daughter, Angela Pleasance. And Ooh. it's like, it's really good. Uh, I don't really want to like go too much into detail for it. Cause I think that's like the mm-hmm. whole highlight of watching it. Um, right. Cause it really relies on the, I don't know, the creepiness of it is just how much Donald and Angela look alike as being actual father and daughter. Um, mm-hmm. But it's like, it's a pretty cool story. I would highly recommend it. I've actually uh, cool. since ordered a film with Angela Pleasance because of From Beyond the Grave, just because like, I thought she was really cool in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next story, it's like, uh, it's like the comedy anthology story involving oh. like, uh, he, this guy gets a like invisible demon on his shoulder that, uh, certain types of people can see and mm-hmm. it starts terrorizing his house and there's like an exorcism and whatever it's yeah. just there. It's like inoffensive, but nothing special. And the last story, um, I basically wound up watching the full length version of the story, uh, in barren blood, uh, which I'll talk mm-hmm. about a little bit later. And I couldn't like tell you anything about it. I could care. I could have cared less about it. Right. Uh, it's like kind of like that weird thing in the seventies where, uh, it's like a story where like contemporary characters go into like a castle and it's like a Gothic investigation. Mm-hmm. It's just, I hate like that. That stuff bores the shit out of me. It's like totally right. not my thing whatsoever, but, uh, from beyond the grave gets a recommendation solely for story two, which right. I think was very neat. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, uh, go ahead. You can talk about some shit you watched. <laughs> All right. Uh, so as, um, as predicted by you as an Oracle earlier, I, uh, I watched Hellraiser and Hellraiser two Hellbound. Uh, so I'm not going to go into too much detail because I think you actually cover it pretty well <clears throat> in the, that, uh, creeps episode a couple back uh suffice to say that i thought they were both really good um i liked the first one a lot uh, i liked the second one a bit or a bit less um i think the first one is like a really great isolated horror story like just the idea of the house with kind of the like the spirits and the ghoulie man and stuff like that i think it's just like a great intimate little little spook story. It's awesome. And that was uh, the first time you'd watched it too. Yeah, that was the first time I'd watched it um, because I was always too intimidated to watch these movies. And then uh, I actually audio booked Hellbound Heart, which is the Hellraiser story a year or two ago. And I was like, oh, this isn't like that bad. Um, but then watching the movie, it's like, there there is a difference between people describing these things on on paper and then them being able to show you. Because I think when, even though like, a lot of the way Clyde Barker writes is the way it's shown in Hellraiser. Um, you, when you read it, you determine how much you want to like visualize it, even if he is like very descriptive. Yeah. But uh, when you see like the booger guy like emerging from uh, the floor, which is just a fucking amazing scene. Yeah. Uh, it's it's very different seeing it in real life, I guess. So, uh, no, I thought Hellraiser was awesome. Uh, I don't even, there's nothing really bad about it. The only thing I thought was, uh, uh, the only thing I didn't really like is there's some scenes where some rats get it. And yeah, I know I'm a broken record at this point, but I was like, that's so weird that that's in there. Like it's such a, it seems so unnecessary to the story. Like he does so many other things that it's like, why is that in there? But, um, Hellraiser one, super good. 
uh, and Hellraiser 2, I thought was... I, I liked also, because I liked how... I think I think it was inevitable that they had to, like, explore the world of, like, the Cenobites and stuff like that a little bit more. So I liked that they did it right away and with, like, some involvement from Clyde Barker. Because he was involved in the second one also, but that's it, right? I think so. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm glad that they had, like, his involvement there. And um, I thought... It, like the two work great as a pair like you can just watch them one after the other and it's like a great uh three hour feast for the eyes i guess yeah a delicious sloppy feast yeah well i think what i yeah um like yeah i definitely think hellraiser is like the obviously it's, it's the best movie of the whole franchise yeah. um and like it's like I, I talked about before like the first time i watched that movie actually from when i watched it i guess i was probably in my teens i thought it was like kind of cool it had some really wicked gore and scenes and stuff like that mm-hmm. but i kind of thought it was like kind of boring and i didn't really get it i didn't really care for the characters and then yeah. like it's just a movie though that i continue like every time i watch it i just like it more and more and now i just love it um mm-hmm. and yeah like i think actually one of the things that i really remember in that movie is because like it seems like it's all shot on an actual like on location in an actual house yeah um, and like but i love the way that it's like it has this like really tough like that stairwell that, that it has in that mm-hmm. movie that's a really tough thing to shoot and the movie yeah. really takes full advantage of like using that stairwell to like shooting it from above and like moving those characters up and down like yeah. just like the whole scene where they're getting the mattress through and stuff like that mm-hmm. like it's like a it's something that, like no one would really ever talk about when they're talking about hellraiser but i'm like yeah that stairwell like that staircase all everything involving it with it like characters looking up and down at one another mm-hmm. like when they've taken the turn or like they don't want them to come upstairs because they just found frank and stuff like there's a yeah. really it's really like uh kind of like for, considering that's like uh clive barker's like directorial debut like doing mm-hmm. a feature film uh like it's some really smart stuff that i don't think like and it's subtle enough that you don't it doesn't draw attention uh to itself mm-hmm. in any obvious way but well yeah, I think it's reminiscent of like his writing, like because I've said before, I think he's like a, a really, I think he's a super smart guy, and it really shows in his writing. And I, that's one of the reasons I like Hellraiser a lot, a lot too. Is I could see some like this might be something other people dislike, but I really like like how kind of slow and deliberate he is with stuff. Like a lot of like you said, the stairwell. There's a lot of shots of just like the stairwell, and you just kind of like slowly move throughout the house, and it really establishes like a nice atmosphere of like the house as a presence with Frank in there. And like, I don't know. It's uh, it's great. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a good like ghost story. Um, and like, it's always so funny, like how little the Cenobites are actually in that mm-hmm. fr- first Hellraiser movie. Like they're just kind of like afterthoughts almost that just like pop in and yeah. out. Um, I, I know people, I know like Pinhead became the, uh, the, like, the mascot the mascot of the franchise but yeah. the, i really like the other two like the fat dude with the glasses and then the just the chattering teeth guy i thought those two guys oh hey what about the female she's fine but it's like her, her oh, thing because she, she's a woman yeah yeah exactly <laughs> uh no i think i think her thing is too on the nose because she's got like the pinned open throat and then like piercings on her nose and like her head and stuff and it's like hmm but the other two like the teeth guy is like a skinned over face, but with chattering teeth. Yeah. And then the fat guy is just super gross. Cause he's like slimy and like got the weirdest head and like those super cool sunglasses. Mm-hmm. So I like, I like those two guys better than uh, the lady and, and pinhead is uh, what I'm saying. Okay. 
fine. That's what I'm saying. Hey, I was going to ask you, is at one point in the franchise, is there a Cenobite that's made out of CDs and they're like constantly, they're like going in and out of his body? No, there's like, there's like a camcorder one that's like a Borg. And then there's one that's yep. like, I think he shoots CDs out of his face, but he's not made oh, okay. of CDs. Um, okay. That would be in uh, three. Okay, because uh, I remember a long time ago, I had a friend who was talking about this franchise, and he's like, I think it's my favorite franchise because of how like, ridiculous it gets. And he's like, there's like a dude who walks around, and he's like, doo, doo, and there's like CDs coming out of him. Yeah, so. that, uh, that'd that be third, and I don't think okay. that's like anything to like, that's like. I think that's one of the things that's terrible about that movie. Well, I think that's why he liked it. Ah. But, uh, I just, I always remember that. And I, I actually, I don't know if I'll ever watch any of the other ones after you went through it. So I thought I, this is my only time to ask. Yeah. Um, it's, so that's it. And yeah, yeah. And then like, yeah, for Hellraiser 2, um, like it's just, got, it's got so many good visuals. Like it feels yeah. like it builds, like it's not a better movie or anything like that, but it's got mm-hmm. so many, it, it builds visually and like it, it's I don't know, like that scene when the uh, I am stuck in hell, please help or whatever. The, oh, yeah. and the that is just like so awesome. Uh, I, I have a real <laughs> soft spot, I guess, for like skinned people wearing clothes and uh, going about their regular business, and it looks super good. Um, yeah. No, yeah, the visuals in that movie are awesome. Yeah, good monster. Yeah, good like yeah, just good frightening little like visuals and stuff like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's all good, too. Uh, and then I watched a movie that I thought was kind of boring after this. After my, my trip to hell, I watched uh, the 1980 uh, movie Alligator by dele- uh, director Louis Teague, who yes. of Cujo fame. Um, so I'm just going to go over this really quickly because I don't have very much to say. Um, I thought the acting was pretty good. I thought the story was pretty good. I thought the it's about an alligator that gets flushed down the toilet and then... He eats the discarded corpses of test animals and then grows to be giant and then r- runs amok on the city. Mm-hmm. That's it. Um, I think the alligator looks pretty good too. Uh, but on the whole, I, there's nothing really I, – I didn't think there was anything impressive about this movie. I wouldn't recommend it. Like unless you were really into like Flushed Away, <laughs> that <laughs> animated Hugh Jackman movie, and you wanted to see some alligator stuff. Like uh, nah, I, I don't know. I wasn't impressed, and I, that's all. That's all I gotta say about Alligator Man. Yeah, um, I watched this a few years ago, and all I can remember is like Robert Forster like going around doing stuff. Um, yeah, because he works for the city, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think like the only reason this movie gets brought up a lot is because it's out of print right now, um, mm-hmm. and like the DVD goes for like a hundred bucks, so it gets brought up a lot because people are like they can't see it easily or like you know. People can't buy it easily, so it gets brought up more often. Cause you can just yeah. find this movie online fairly uh, simply. But mm-hmm. yeah, Alligator. It's it, I think its reputation it's is a bit uh, beyond what it actually is. Because I guess people also want to watch like good like animals attack movies. Um, mm-hmm. Because once you get past Jaws, I don't know if there's really too much to go to. But yeah, yeah. So yeah. So that was that. Uh, and then maybe I'll let you talk before I get into uh, my side school, my oh. uh, alternative to ghoul school. Okay. Um, yeah. So I then watched Monster on the Campus from 1958. Um, mm-hmm. It is the last of the Universal Horror films proper. 
mm-hmm. um, because at that point they actually stopped making stuff every year like they were doing. Um, it's a movie about scientists doing scientific things uh, as they do in uh, these like science fiction horror movies. Uh, right. This particular case is about a man who's found this uh, ancient fish and uh, he gets his hand cut on some teeth of this ancient fish and he puts it into this like briny like primordial soup stuff and mm-hmm. that then transforms him into a neanderthal wolfman okay who cool. then terrorizes a university campus uh there's a dog uh german shepherd he also like got exposed to some of this material so he like reverts into a like primordial dog briefly mm-hmm. um a mosquito feeds off of this primordial fish thing and he turns into a giant version of a mosquito um there's science talk in this movie <laughs> Ooh, i like science talk yeah um it's okay it's uh harmless entertainment uh mm-hmm. it's pretty well exactly what i expected it was going to be it's not particularly frightening there's no real good strong uh, visuals that i could really think up other than when you get the reveal of neanderthal wolfman uh, mm-hmm. that transformation which is like i don't know it seems fairly cheap even by like 1958 standards for like wolf transformations it's just like right. time lapsing or, or just not even time lapse it's just uh here's some uh us putting, applying makeup over time and adding it and here's the real thing mm-hmm. it's you've seen it before um yeah right. i mean there's nothing really to hang my hat off of on this film it's just mm-hmm. there um uh, yeah it didn't anger me it didn't it wasn't really boring either it was just kind of like going on um i think i was able to get some notes together while i was uh watching this so yeah. that, that's always a good thing um and then mm-hmm. i and then uh i guess this would have been probably the day after we recorded uh salo um mm-hmm. but then i watched barren blood um i i my like disappointment with this movie i partly blame from on myself because uh i had to uh be find a copy of this online and i think it was on youtube and the mm-hmm. quality of this was garbage it, it was right. at least widescreen but it mm-hmm. looked terrible and so this movie's mario bava and people who know mario bava movies know that his movies look amazing like mm-hmm. just like from a lighting uh perspective like his stuff just looks so great um but this movie just like bored the shit out of me because as i was talking about before it's about it's a contemporary story set in old european castles and it's like gothically flavored and i just like this stuff is just so not interesting to me like yeah. I'm, I'm fine with like the um those like roger corman edgar Allan poe adaptations because usually those are at least like period pieces Mm-hmm. and have Vincent Price. Uh, Baron Blood has Joseph Cotton instead. And uh, oh. it's definitely him at his like oldest. Because this is also like a cheap, one of those like um, cheap Italian productions where it's like, hey, let's get an American actor that like European people know and we'll just throw him in this movie. And those guys like just kept making money doing that stuff. Because like Joseph Cotton also, I think was in um, White Comanche. Uh, mm-hmm. that uh, Bill Shatner movie. And it's the yeah. same thing where he's like, he's old, doesn't give a shit anymore. He looks like a movie star and that's why they bring him in. So he gets to play like a guy in a wheelchair and there's a bunch of other actors that you don't care about and they're investigating um, an old castle where uh, there's like a baron and he's killing people. <laughs> and because he's based, yeah. it's based on an old legend and I just like, yeah, this, this, I don't know. I didn't like this at all. Um, but it's also because the subject matter, it wasn't my thing. And the copy I watched looked like 
shit. Uh, like it was just right. super blurry and stuff like that. Sometimes that's okay with movies, but I, like I know there's like a really good Blu-ray of this out there, and I should have just like tracked that down. But at the same time, it's a story that I, I mean, it's not my type of movie. I don't think so. I don't think mm-hmm. I'm going to try to spend more money or spend money on this to watch it. So right. sorry, Mario Bava. He'll, mm. you, he gets redeemed by the end of uh, this episode, though. Okay. Um, right on. Yeah. And then uh, late at night when the girlfriend was asleep, I decided, well, I guess I have these rape revenge movies I have to get to. So might as well do it while she's asleep. And so I watched the I Spit on Your Grave remake from 2010. Mm. Um, I don't know. One's uh, mileage will vary on the rape revenge movies, particularly ones based on notorious films that like kind of kickstarted this whole like rape revenge strand of movie making. Mm Filming wise, this movie is a lot better than the original. Um, mm-hmm. It's actually like almost like uh, I can appreciate the thought put into like making this movie like better. But yeah. then you get into like the nasty like rape business where it's just like a good like 15 minutes of just like harrowing scenes of this woman being just raped by like several men. And mm-hmm. you're, so at this point, you just start having to turn down the volume on the TV. Because it's just women screaming and guys yeah. going, oh, yeah, take it, bitch. And you're like, oh, God. And you're like, what am I doing with my life? What? Why do I have this in my house? Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah. So the first, like, half before it t- takes the dark turn is fairly well made. Uh, and, like, I appreciated that. And then it gets mm-hmm. into the dark rapey stuff and it's it's supposed to be uncomfortable but at the same time it's kind of like uh it makes you really question why movies like this exist um if you look on letterboxd you'll see people just like absolutely fucking hate this type of movie um not because it's like a badly made movie but just because why do these things exist why is this movie why is this here so people strongly hate this but um as far as these type of movies go it's well made enough um, mm-hmm. it, it, it's fairly good at like sweeping you away from realizing this movie only has like five locations and it's yeah. obviously shot super cheap because it doesn't really have to do much and all the money probably went into paying the actors, the crew, and then figuring out like some gruesome gore bits. Mm-hmm. And so like this, the third half is just the revenge part of the story. Um, right. if you don't, if you want to know the plot, uh, female author goes up to cabin to write book and then runs afoul of some country boys and bumpkins. And including in, including the the sheriff because there's this whole thing where she kind of escapes before anything bad happens and then she runs mm-hmm. into the sheriff who's like hunting with one of the local uh, like uh, fishing tackle store guys and mm-hmm. he uh, he runs back to call like to I don't know leave and leave it to the sheriff but then it turns out the sheriff is also a degenerate rapist piece of shit um, right. and. Yeah, so that's when things go horrible. They're going to kill mm-hmm. her. She escapes, and then they think she's dead, but she's actually then plotting to take her revenge. Sure. <laughs> and uh, th- there's one bit where it's like, I don't know, it's all like weird callbacks to like how they raped her is how her revenge mm-hmm. goes. Gross. <laughs> but it's just like, because there's the one guy, like when she was like laying down on the ground, like he was like mm-hmm. forcing her face into a puddle. 
And so her revenge with him is like she like lays him like over like a, a bathtub, like on some yeah. planks of wood with his hands tied behind his back. And so uh, he has to like be able to like keep his core strength up mm-hmm. to like keep his face from out of the water. But then she proceeds to like pour lye into the bathtub and then takes oh. away one of the boards. And so it becomes harder and harder for him to keep his face out of it. And so his face right. starts like plowing into the water and his face is slowly dissolving. Um, I was a fan of that. And it's p- p- yeah, particular, that okay. particularly the, the, the reveal of the Y mm-hmm. face and how much his face is sunken. That was really good. Uh, yeah. Then there's like the fat guy who's got the camcorder who's been recording everything. Um, mm-hmm. She like ties him up to a tree and then like uh, using using some um, fishing hooks pins his eyelids back so his eyes are constantly open mm-hmm. <laughs> with the video camera recording his face with like the uh, little uh, flip LCD screen turned toward himself so he could see oh. it because he likes to look right. And yeah, then, he likes to watch. Yeah, like you. And, yep. And then she throws some uh, bird guts on his face, and then some crows come along and peck his eyeballs out. Cool. Um, yep. And then there's like, <laughs> I don't know. I could probably also just talk there's about lots this because I, I don't think I'd recommend. I don't. I would not recommend mm-hmm. anybody to this movie, even though I thought I liked it. I guess well enough. Um, right. As like what it, exactly what it is. Um, mm-hmm. But so the the sheriff he gets it the worst because uh, of course uh, during his rape sequence uh, he gets he informs her that he's an ass man. So oh, this, this this later pays off when uh, she shoves a shotgun up his ass mm-hmm. and just starts ramming it in his ass. <laughs> of course, oh like, that's so cliche. <laughs> I know. And then there's like uh, a string attached to the uh, trigger of the shotgun that like mm-hmm. leads all the way around the room because there's like the like. Uh, the mental handicapped man uh, who's mm-hmm. like, who also got to be forced to partake in the rape, uh, who sh- he's like, I don't know, he's been tied to the string. So when he wakes up, uh, mm-hmm. the shotgun's going to blow through the sheriff's ass, out the sheriff's mouth, and into the chest of this man. Um, sure. Yeah, it's all quite elaborate and it all, it's all very uh, saw like, well, I think. You well, what would you it. do? What would you do? I don't know how like she moves all these like giant men's unconscious bodies around when she gets them. That happens off screen. Yeah. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about it. Oh, and she quips. Don't forget that she makes uh-huh. she, she makes liners, of course. That's what rape victims do. Of course. <laughs> um, yeah. and then there's also oh yeah, there's like so like there's like the main like other than the sheriff, the other like main rapist. Uh, mm-hmm. he he gets a uh, good old castrating and teeth knocked out of his head and stuff like that. He sure. he, he has to go out like a real champ. Sure. So, yeah, this cool. movie, I think, is for everybody. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, uh, fun for the whole family. Yeah, yeah, rape revenge movies. You'll know mm-hmm. if it's for something you would be- bother watching. Um, right. And then I watched another short film uh, that I'll throw out there called Black Hole, which is a uh, kind of independent little test trailer that uh rupert sanders did who is mm-hmm. now directing that ghost in the shell uh movie right uh so he's like i'm gonna make this black hole uh graphic novel that charles burns did and i'm gonna make a film out of it because i think this would make a great movie which it would but it would probably be a better thing if like a better director made it yeah because this kind of is terrible mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, everything's shot in close-up there's like no scene that seems like really uh, explain like context of what you're watching. Um, cause I, I've read black hole. It's been years cause I actually have all the issues of it. Um, mm-hmm. so I've never, I haven't actually gone back and sat down and read it, but I remember like David Fincher was attached to do a black hole thing for several mm-hmm. years. That still hasn't happened cause that's how David Fincher, uh, film announcements go. They get yeah. announced and then they don't get made. 
because yeah. he's too busy making um I don't ben know. Ben Affleck movies? Ben Affleck movies and uh uh remakes and yeah. uh movies Actually, with Brad Pitt. I'm, I'm pretty sure I heard one of his next movies is gonna be a remake of Strangers on a Train with Ben Affleck. Oh, so. I see. oh there you go. Which is fine. Yeah. That's fine. I'll uh, watch it. Yeah. So like, the other thing with the black hole thing, I guess, like from the stories, like it's going to need some like effects work because it's yeah. all about like mutations. And uh, so you get like the mutation stuff seemed fine, like considering mm-hmm. like that seems to be where all the effort went. But then it's like so poorly shot that like you don't really get to linger and yeah. look at it. It's all like I said, like, you watch this and you really like notice like how everything is in close up and everything is too quickly paid, like too quickly shot yeah. and doesn't last. It's just like frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess like Rupert Sanders is making real movies now, but I mean, I don't know, hopefully he's gotten better. Um, mm-hmm. That's what student films are all about learning, I guess. But yeah, I thought this was kind of shitty. Um, oh, all right. Um, yeah. So, so thumbs down. Thumbs down. Mm-hmm. What do you, so uh, what, what else do you want to talk about? Well, uh, I'm going to uh, talk about um, something very close to me called uh, Brad Dourif School. Uh, where I have been binging Brad Dourif movies for the last whole week. But uh, I'm going to keep that anticipation going for a minute as okay. I take a quick break. And you can you can edit this out, but I really have to go to the bathroom. Okay. Okay, so yes, Brad Dourif. So uh, as I was watching these movies, you affectionately uh, messaged me and you said, is Ghoul School now Dourif School? To which I say, yes. Yes, it is. So uh, I watched a crop of Brad Dourif movies. And I think I've said before, um, the only real guideline I take to my Creeptober watching, um, because I like what you said once, you're like, just watch what you feel like. Don't have like these rules and stuff like that. But I do like to include a handful of Christopher Lee and Brad Dourif movies because I think those guys both rule. Um, so uh, last week I went to Dourif school and I watched five Brad Dourif movies. Jesus. And I'm going to lay them all out here for you right now. There was one movie that wasn't a Brad Dourif I watched in between, but I'll just talk about that after. 
because what we're really here for is God's favorite child, Brad Dourif, and I'm going to talk about it. Yeah. So I started off with a movie that uh, we both watched, actually, and we have a very different opinion of this movie. Okay. So uh, this was the 1998 film Progeny from director Brian Yuzna. Yes. Uh, so uh, I think I have alluded to before, I am a big fan of the Alien movies. I love Aliens. They're, they're totally real. Don't even question it. Aliens are real. Um and this movie is about a doctor and his wife, and they have kind of an incident where they there's a lapse in time of a couple hours, and he's really like thinking about it. He doesn't know what happened, and then his wife is pregnant, and it she traces it back to the night that they were getting intimate, but then they had the time lapse. So he's starting to have flashbacks of abductions or, or he's getting hypnotized to remember what happened and his wife starts acting weird and that's pretty much it he suspects that the baby is an alien so he kind of goes off and talks to conspiracy people and investigates it on his own do you think that's a fair description of progeny yep okay so uh the first thing i'll say is the main actor is uh emotep from uh the 2000 brandon Fraser mummy movies uh, it's his movie and he's pretty fucking bad. He's a pretty bad actor. So I'll give you that. Uh, I think he is really, really terrible. He is really terrible. Um, but there are a few, there are a couple actors that I think, uh, counter his horribleness. Uh, one is Wilford Brimley. Uh, and I wrote down this quote. Uh, he said, Hey, uh, he plays a gynecologist for the wife, and he says, "Hey, are you using any of those fancy douches?" And I thought it was amazing that Wilford Brimley said that in a movie. Uh, so that's one check mark in the pro box. Uh, so he's in this movie, and he's pretty cool. And then, uh, as I previously said, my main man Brad Dourif is in it, and he plays a so-called air quote doctor who studies uh, abductions and UFO and conspiracies and stuff like that. And uh, he gets enlisted by the guy and he kind of helps out for a little while. He's only in this movie for like 10 minutes, but uh, I thought he had a really nice line that I liked when uh, Emotep is like, why would they do this? And Brad Durf's like, ask an animal why we test on them. And I was like, yeah, man, you tell him Brad Durf, you get him. So that was cool. Uh, I liked another line in this movie where he's like with the hypnotist psychiatrist and uh, he's describing how like there was the two hour time lapse and uh, she's like, did you have an erection um, going into it? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, and then after he's like, yeah, she's like, so you had an erection for two hours and he was kind of like, oh yeah. And like, he didn't say it like that, but in my mind, he kind of was like winking at the audience. He was like, yeah, man, I had an erection for two hours. So that was really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the things I liked about this movie, Jared, I thought it was a real good play on, uh, you know, the fears of parenthood, mental health, doctor patients, researchers and subjects. Uh, and it's all rounded back to aliens, man. It was great. Uh, the, I didn't I thought the aliens looked kind of silly. They were like noodle monsters. But then you have a flash of like maybe what they really looked like in the insemination scene. And I thought that was pretty gnarly. And then uh, the very last shot of the movie, you see some alien bugs, um, which could have been used way before. But uh, what are you going to do? 
So I thought this movie was good, man. I don't know why you hated it. Uh, yeah, I thought this movie was like a waste of time. Um, yeah. I, I like me some Brian Yesna. I like mm-hmm. me some Screaming Mad George. Um, and on, I don't know, this movie just felt super cheap, like TV movie, like, like all the cliches, like sci-fi channel level budget. Like it really like was like pretty bad production level. Scream Mad George really, I felt didn't bring it with the alien stuff. I thought it was like pretty crappy. Um, like everything Mm -hmm. just like looked the same and like very unimaginative, like in all the designs. Um, lead, yeah, Mr. Uh, lead actor he is garbage like he just like Mm -hmm. i couldn't i couldn't believe how bad he was like just like (laughs) yeah he's he's really bad yeah i mean i I didn't take notes on this fucking movie because it sucked uh it was boring uh yeah yeah, it was boring and i could like i was like starting to doze off and i was like oh this is just still happening is it and Mm -hmm. yeah brad dorf was like in the movie but it's like yeah. he, he kind of doesn't do a whole heck of a lot. There's not much for him. No. Like it's like oh, it's Brad Dourif, but that's like that's not a good enough. Like he has to like have yeah. something to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I'm trying to think of anything else I can say. Oh yeah, the lead actress, she's terrible. like she sucks too. Yeah, like she's I mean, bad. but seriously, it's like I think also like I just watched Rosemary's Baby like. I don't know, oh, um, right. like like uh, less than a month ago, and it's like, oh right, yeah, this is like a really grand old movie, and Progeny, it's like, oh right, this is just a piece of shit that like is oh. is following in that line. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know, this movie really like made me not look forward to like the latter day Brian Yesen stuff I've got lined up, because uh, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, this is what happened to him, and like why he doesn't make movies worth watching anymore. It's just like I yeah. don't know, he unless he's like doing gore, I don't think he's really like in his uh his zone um yeah. i don't know the movie just like uh, you, you just zone out because there's like the time lapse or the, like, the time yeah. skips yeah, yeah. and stuff like that which honestly like when you're like kind of like dozing off like you're like wait what and i rewound mm-hmm. i was like oh that's all that was was it i don't know this movie uh just wasn't pleasing to me whatsoever um and well. I, I I would just like to comment that you are the only person who seems to like this in the my letterboxed uh, network. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, like everyone's about one one and a half stars. You are at four stars. So yeah. I don't know. I think I think the sway of Aliens and Brad Dourif uh, pushed this one a little a little over the top for you, sir. You, which is you fine. Think it's clouded my judgment. I, I think is a little bit. Um, yeah. Because well, I mean, a- yeah. It's the other thing for me, uh, my view on Aliens is generally like. I look at movies with aliens and like the the vast majority of them are like pieces of shit. Like it's kind yeah. of like unfortunate actually because mm-hmm. I think there's like a lot of really good things to do with it, but like so much of it is bad. It's like I, I don't yeah. like especially like, in, especially like alien abduction stuff or like whatever. It's like man, it's mm-hmm. really wanting. Um, I mean, I'll, one day I'll, I'm gonna rewatch Fire in the Sky. Um, and actually see if that movie is good outside of the amazing, amazing sequence, uh, that, that, it's, it's okay. The rest of the movie is okay, but the, uh, the abduction scene is, uh, unbelievable. It's probably the best ever recorded in cinema. Uh, that sounds fair to me, uh, because that thing traumatized me as a child. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. So Progeny sucks. People RJ, uh, is wrong, (laughs) but continue. Well, you heard it here first. Progeny, uh, we're all in agreement, is a masterpiece. It's Rosemary's Baby meets Eraserhead meets uh, Alien 3. Uh, all day. It's great. Classic. Everyone should watch. Yeah. Um, so I followed that up with actually uh, what I think has been 
other than uh, Hellraiser 1, probably the best movie I watched uh, this season. Uh, and that was um, The Eyes of Laura Mars from 1978. And this was directed by uh, Irvin Kirshner, who if uh, I was unfamiliar at the time, but apparently that's the guy who directed Empire Strikes Back. Yep. So uh, after I watched the movie, I was like, oh, man, that was a pretty, I was like surprisingly good movie. And then I looked it up. I was like, oh, cool. So uh, this one stars Faye Dunaway, Brad Dourif, uh, Raul Julia, uh, our other Gomez, uh, Gomez Adams, and uh, a very young Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, and so apparently, you know what I, I also found out was that this movie was written by John Carpenter, which was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, he gets story credit and then it, it so it's like story by John Carpenter and then screenplay by John Carpenter and someone else. Hmm. So, um, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, so the movie is about, uh, an artist named Laura Mars and she is like a, a big upscale New York photographer, like an Andy Warhol type kind of. Uh, artist like of that fame or celebrity and uh it opens and she's like kind of doing stuff and then she starts getting glimpses of people getting murdered and it's coming through her eye like she describes it as like it's getting projected into her eyes like a movie would so she's like trying to work and then she doesn't realize but she's like uh unconsciously recreating these murders in her photography and so that draws the attention of the police who are like you're the pictures you have in this magazine are the same of like murder scenes that uh we've never released over the last couple of years <gasps> so very spooky jared very spooky uh so faye dunaway plays uh, laura mars uh, brad duriff is her driver with a past Tommy Lee Jones is the detective who is questioning her. Um, I won't go into like too many specifics of it, but uh, I really liked it. It's got a, it's got an awesome aesthetic. It's like it was made in the 70s, so it's all 70s clothes, 70s hair, 70s music, and I don't know why. I just I uh, I really like that. I've always really liked that kind of stuff, so I think that's one of the reasons I liked it a lot. Um, but everyone is really good in it. The story's pretty good. I think um, it does a pretty good job of like keeping it a mystery of who the killer is because uh, later on the killer starts targeting people that Laura Mars knows. And then there's some scenes where she sees through the killer's eyes and she's looking at herself and she doesn't know where it's coming from. Lots of good tension. Lots of good stuff. Uh, Brad Dourif is awesome in this fucking movie and his hair is super awesome he's got really luscious 70s hair and a beard he's super cool um i don't know man uh there's not really anything else to say i i thought it was awesome it might have also been come, coming right out of progeny that uh this one impressed me so much but i do think this is actually a, a pretty good movie that people should watch yeah no uh i saw your uh uh, high praise for this movie uh mm-hmm. and i was like oh you know i like it's one of those movies like there's a bunch of like eyes movies there's like eyes yeah. of a stranger and stuff like that that were like kind of the same era and they all have this sort of like, like there's like another movie like haunting of julia they all have the same kind of like kind of uh covers and they're yeah. kind of like like it's very like generic vhs cover to me um mm-hmm. so i've never like in the eyes of laura mars not the most memorable title but uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm really interested now hearing you uh, your, your your glowing praise of it, and it sounds mm-hmm. neat. Uh, it sounds like a Brian De Palma movie. It sounds like it really needs yep. some John Lithgow. Um, so Ooh. a little bummed yeah. out that he's not in it, but uh, yeah, no, I will definitely uh, make a point of watching this sooner yeah. than later. Yeah, so that one was really good. Yeah, uh, and then uh, so 
what was the best Brian uh, the best Brad Dourif movie I watched uh, this season, followed up by the worst Brian Brad Dourif movie I'd watched this year, and that is Trauma by uh, Dario Argento. I've been looking forward uh, to hearing this for a little bit. <laughs> so this movie blows. It is not very good. Um, I'll uh, unpack it. I'll provide a precursor here for you. Uh, I have only seen two other Argento movies, Phenomena and Suspiria. And Phenomena is, I think, an all-time classic. That movie fucking rules hard. And uh, Suspiria was also very good. Um, so I was going into this uh, thinking, yeah, I like this Argento guy. Uh, and this is definitely later-day Argento, so I don't know what that means. But uh, I, I will start with a quote. Uh, I watched this one with my roommate Scott, and when the movie was over, he said, "Does Arge- or did Argento have dementia when he made this movie?" <laughs> Which I think is a pretty good fucking question. So um, yeah, this- no, I'll, I'll just mention it's like yeah, I think the the departure for like Argento movies is like. Uh, opera, which I think is 1988. It mm-hmm. seems to be like from that point forward, uh, it becomes questionable. I think he's like some people could say like Stendhal syndrome is like a good Argento. I didn't mm-hmm. like that movie very much at all, but at least like it seemed well made. But uh, I'm curious what you have to say here about Trauma. Okay, so Trauma is about uh, it opens up and there's a girl on the run and uh, she meets a guy and she is clearly a recovering drug addict. And uh, then some private detectives come, take her home, where her home, uh, her mom is a medium having a seance. And then the seance gets interrupted and her parents die. They get decapitated. And then so the girl goes to the guy she met. And what happens is then a a string of decapitations start happening in the city. And uh, the girl and the young guy start investigating it. And they find out that these people are connected. Okay, so I'm gonna go into spoilers here because I don't think it matters. Um, the The people are all connected. They were all part of a nursing team, and uh, Brad Dourif was the doctor. And so you're you're going. They're like investigating why these people are getting targeted, and then you find out they were all part of this thing. It was like, oh, well, we had a patient once, and we did electroconvulsive therapy on it, but it didn't work. And you're like, okay, and so the problem I have with this movie is that it is fucking all over the place. It has basically the thinnest plot you could ever fucking imagine. Like he must have whipped this up in an afternoon. Um, it has one of those really lame fucking endings where uh, I think while they were filming it, they were filming up all this stuff. And then on the last day, they're like, OK, we're going to make this person the murderer because it's, it's one of those things where it's like when we were watching it, I was like two things can happen. It'll be a completely new character who you won't care about at all or it'll be one of the pre-existing characters and it'll just be a twist where it's like, oh, I was the murderer all the time. And it's the latter of those. It's, it's a character that you think is dead, comes back and is doing these things, uh, decapitating people with like a hand winch that they put around the person's head and it just winches uh, – like a cable until the head pops off. Um, like Argento is so fucking all over the place in this movie. He has like no sense of uh, distance or space, like spatial presence. Like the guy lives on a cabin in the lake and then the girl runs away one night and she's like in an industrial area and he finds her in like a minute. And then they're like downtown. Like it's such a weird, like 
like it doesn't make sense it's very like it pulls you out of it you're like i don't understand where these fucking people live uh he does a lot of really lame metaphors for anorexia and drug abuse uh so the main character oh actually by the way which is his daughter uh she plays the lead she's like anorexic but he i think it's like early 90s where they didn't know what anorexia anorexia was because it's actually bulimia so it's like it's that and then they on top of that they pile on drug abuse and it's really fucking weird and it's like i don't know like what you're trying to make a comment on um it's fucking bizarre uh so that's all really weird um there's a lot of time every 20 minutes there will be a new scene where all the characters are speaking italian for no reason like it takes place in new york i think and then like everyone's speaking english and then the guy will go up to like a concierge at a hotel and just speaks italian like with no uh like no setup or anything like that he's just speaking italian and it happens all the time throughout the movie um there's just scenes of people speaking italian and it doesn't make fucking sense um the plot is like so bad uh a lot of people's heads get severed and then they like continue to scream after their heads are severed so you get a shot of a head falling down an elevator shaft and it's like and uh i'm not a doctor but i'm pretty sure that can't happen um uh, his daughter has a very weird out-of-place nude scene in this movie, which I find very uh, inappropriate and <laughs> very, like, out. Uh, it's out of nowhere. There's no reason why it needs to be in the movie. Uh, dude, There's just this... You need to watch more Argento movies with his daughter. Is there a lot of oh, his daughter nude? Oh, man. See, this this is the thing that's weird to me. It's like, I guess, like, I, I, I totally understand why you watch Trauma, because Brad Dourif. It was Brad but Dourif. it's like, man, you haven't watched, like, all the other Argento movies? It's like, because, like, there's, like, the whole, like, Giallo thing. Like, have you, yeah. watched, have you watched many Giallo movies? No. Okay. That's, like, so I don't know. I'm pretty sure this movie's probably just, like, as bad as you're describing it. But, like, the things that you're yeah. talking about, it's, like, it, I think... The way you're talking about it, this is like, well, this doesn't sound bad. I'm like, that sounds like a Giallo movie, but I have a f- mental image of what you're describing. And I'm like, oh, because it's like really yeah. like it doesn't look good and it's like incoherent and not well made. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, exactly. I, I'd be very curious what you would think of like his like his more classic stuff from the 70s, like um, like a uh, Bird of the Crystal Plumage and stuff like that. Like, I'd be mm-hmm. curious to see how you view those because I'm pretty sure that those are better than this. But yeah, uh, speaking to the uh, Asia Argento stuff, yeah, no, there, uh, Stendhal's, uh, or the Stendhal syndrome, which I just mentioned, there's a scene yep. with like, uh, where she's like just like viciously raped, um, but like there's there's the staging of it though where like the the rapo gloves he's wearing the black leather gloves doing it and it's not mm-hmm. the actor playing the rapist doing it but it's actually Dario Argento himself wearing the black gloves doing the molesting to his own daughter yeah no that's like a Horrible. that that is a uh, ongoing talking point when it comes to uh, his cinema. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's all horrible, and I hate that. And I thought it was so fucking weird that it was in there. Um, and then I don't, I don't know, man. So gross. And then the worst thing is fucking. I watched this movie because Brad Dourif was in it, and I was like, man, let's keep this Brad Dourif train rolling. And he's in this fucking movie for twenty seconds. Yeah. Like not, like not even a minute of screen time. And his minute of screen time is better than the entire movie together. And like the. <laughs> It's so dumb, like, the the twist ending is that, like, one of these people, like, was going to have a baby, and then the doctors fucked up and accidentally decapitated the baby, because somehow that happens, that and then they, amazing. like, 
Yeah, and then they tried to like. Uh, then they took uh, they took the lady and gave her uh, electro shock to try to get her to forget. But like her husband was right there too, so like it doesn't like none of it fucking makes sense. There's so many like holes to the plot, and then it's like I said, the ending just happens. Ugh. Uh, yeah, it's horrible, uh, horrible, Jared. So this this one was really bad. Um, I just want to read a review for someone who liked this film. Uh, I just read. Yeah. There's a laziness in how some people just dismiss Dario Argento's work as rubbish. They just decide that's a fact and just focus on the flaws. The thing with Argento, something I love, is that his movies often are filled with flaws. Small problems, plot holes, characters behaving extremely absurd without no reason at all, extremely advanced technical solutions that just are there to show off, nothing more. But you know, that's Argento's style. That's him. So I'm usually quite tired when I hear another joke about Phantom of the Opera better than people say it is and the close to brilliant hallucinatory witch trip mother of tears i go into a classic passive aggressive style because i just can't accept it anymore open your eyes please and no shut up etc uh trauma is one of those films of his that's almost forgotten squeezed in between the uneven two evil eyes and the amazing brilliant brian de palma rip off the stendhal syndrome the reason why no one talks about it is not because it's bad but probably because the distribution sucked and it got mixed up with a bunch of other mainstream thrillers and never found its way to the big audience rj no the reason people don't talk about it is because it sucks (laughs) it's Um, a movie that must be seen in its original aspect ratio and uncut unlike other films if you can't see it that way don't see it this is one gorgeous stylish movie it's more low-key than his earlier movies with a cold blue grayish tint over the picture and more down-to-earth camera shenanigans among them a camera that imitates the movements of a butterfly that's Mm -hmm. argento Fuck off! That's uh, people. People don't like Argento because they focus on how bad his movies are. <laughs> but it, he's really good if you just give him a chance. That's why. Like, no, no, no. It's actually it's what I like about his films. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up! Like, I love it. No, this movie's bad. Okay. Um, and I, as a guy, I've seen three movies of his. Two of them I like a lot. So this one is just bad. Uh, and then I'll just wrap this up quick. I watched two other Brad Dourif movies. Yep. Both of which I actually watched off of YouTube uh, because it was the only way I could get them. Uh, the first one had a really good video on YouTube and the second one had a pretty grainy one, which was too bad because the second one was uh, pretty good actually. So I watched 1994's Death Machine yes. uh, where uh, he, Brad Dourif plays Grimma Wormtongue from uh, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Yep. Uh, he's like – it's like a big evil corporation and he's like the mad scientist behind it all with long hair and he's got a workshop with toys everywhere and he creates like death machines, like robots, and a group of mercenaries get stuck in the building, and they have to battle the, the death machine. Um, I don't have a lot to say. I thought this movie was pretty good. Uh, Brad Dourif was really good in it. He had a lot of a lot of cool hammy scenes, which is like his mo. So it's kind of like Chopping Mall, but with Brad Dourif. Yeah, pretty much. And Rachel Vice popped up for a second, so I thought that was kind of weird, um, or interesting, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I don't have much to say. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, if you're in the mood for like a mid '90s action suspenser, uh, Death Machine might be up your alley, I guess. Yeah, I've seen this, and all I really remember is it had a nice look to it, and it's very much like your like uh, kind of future noir type of stuff with mm-hmm. some movie where people should have where be wearing like fingerless gloves and sunglasses and yeah. uh, talking weird like future speak and stuff it's kind yeah, exactly. of into that realm but yeah yeah 
So yeah, it's all right. Uh, and then I watched one called uh, from 1990 called Grim Prairie Tales, and it was starring Brad Dourif and James Earl Jones. And uh, it's your standard fair horror anthology, uh, but it takes place in the Old West. Um, Brad, uh, Brad Dourif sets up like a little camp, and James Earl Jones is a drifter who comes upon the camp and tells him stories. Uh, it's pretty, it's pretty standard, but uh, for some reason I thought it was really charming. Like um, James Earl Jones is fucking hilarious in this movie. He's like super over the top, and he's yelling all the time, and like. <laughs> Uh, him and Brad Dourif actually have like a really good chemistry together. Uh, so they're like, they're the ones telling the stories and then there's four stories. Two of them I think are really good. Two of them are just whatever. The first one is like Indian burial ground, whatever. The last one's like an old West shootout with like death or something. I don't know. I wasn't, that one kind of lost me, but the two in the middle are really good. Um, the second one I'm not even going to describe because I think that's why you would watch this movie is the scene in the second one. Uh, and then I think the th- I, you know what's funny is I think I just watched a gif from that movie like just a few oh. days ago. And I was like, what the hell is that from? And then I looked yeah. it up and it was Grim Prairie Tales. Okay, so you probably know what I'm talking about yeah, then. But yeah, uh, I, I won't. I mean, I don't know. Probably, well, whatever. Fuck it. Spoilers. If you. Uh, yeah. So yeah, if you're talking about the scene where the man is like reverse birthed into the yeah. woman and sucked through, yeah, yeah, that bit. Yeah. So <laughs> what it is is like, um, it's a guy and a girl, or a guy comes across like a, a pregnant lady in the the abyss of the old west, and uh, he's like, well, why don't you camp with me? And he's like, it's not safe out here for a woman. And then uh, they camp, and then he wakes up in the middle of the night, and she doesn't have her pregnant belly anymore. And he's like, huh? And she's like, she's like, I pretend I'm pregnant because uh, I'm not sure how people will be. And I feel like if I act pregnant, they'll, they won't like abuse me or anything like that. They might have mercy on me. And she's like, but you're, you're, you're a good guy. I can trust you. I can trust you. And he's like, okay. And then she's like, come here, sugar. And uh, they do it. And then like, while they're doing it, he's like, oh, and then he gets sucked. His whole body gets sucked into her and then she's pregnant again. And that's how it ends. Yeah. He gets, he gets sucked into her by his penis into her, through her vagina. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the third one was, um, it wasn't even a horror story. It's just about like settlement in America and it's got like winching and uh, it's just like black people and white people. So I thought it was it was just like a little nice vignette there, but um, I don't know. I thought this movie was charming. Okay. I don't think everyone's gonna like it. Like, there's definitely better anthology movies out there, but uh, the second second one is pretty good, and the third one's pretty good, and all the in between stuff with Brad and James Earl Jones are pretty cool. And uh, thus ends uh, Brad Dourif week for me. And uh, there will be some more coming down the line, but uh, that was my mm-hmm. big uh, my big run. Yes, when you begin your dalliance with Mr. R. Zombie. Yeah, that'll happen soon. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, I uh, watched myself some Blackula. Um, Ooh, yeah. Yes, from 1972. Uh, Blackula is exactly what it sounds like. It is a black exploitation film uh, during the period of the 70s when black exploitation was all the thing. Uh, mm-hmm. This particular story involves a. Uh, I guess it'd be like a 17th century, 18th century, uh, like African dignitary who has traveled to Transylvania to address the issue of slavery yeah. uh, with, with Mr. Dracula, Mr. Count Dracula. Um, and of course, 
things go astray and Dracula isn't doesn't give a shit about that. Um, yeah. Um, but I guess Mr. Uh, B- uh, Pre-Blackula, Blackula offends Dracula's uh, uh, sense of, like, stature and race. And so mm-hmm. uh, Blackula gets turned into a vampire but gets thrown into a casket and then sealed behind a wall where he's just going to be, like, hungry for, like, all his days um, and left with his wife who's just, like, left outside of the coffin to, like, basically starve to death and, like, mm-hmm. just die uh, in this walled-off area. We then jump ahead 200 years. Uh, two gay men have, like, come to, like, buy a bu- up a bunch of, uh, uh, like, antiques and stuff like that from this old house and then bring them back to Los Angeles to sell them off. And they bring this casket home with them. And mm-hmm. uh, one thing leads to another. The casket gets busted open. Uh, Blackula emerges. I guess I should also mention that uh, Dracula does name Blackula. <laughs> He's like, you oh. will be known as Blackula because oh, you're, no. you're black. Yeah. Um, so Blackula is now in the 20th century in Los Angeles and he's, he's hungry for blood. Um, what's there, mm-hmm. to, what's there to say about this film? If, if, if this sounds like something you could watch, uh, you should. Blackula is fun. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, I can't remember the name of the lead actor who plays Mr. Blackula, but uh, he gives it all. He is like super serious, and like he he's like above this material, which is which makes it better. Uh, another film with some very like specious inter, uh, interpretations of what science means and like how mm-hmm. science investigation works. Right. Um, there's like the one like police detective who like heads up the scientific investigations unit, which I don't know if it's like a standard part of the LAPD, mm-hmm. um, but he's there doing it, uh, with his big Afro and there's some pretty good little, like, I want to call them scary bits, but definitely unsettling bits where it's mm-hmm. just like, you don't really expect it in this like kind of piece of trash. But uh, it seems like, yeah, all the black vampires, when they turn to vampire mode, they just grow, like, sideburns and facial hair awesome. um, instead of, like, fangs. But they do have fangs, and they do uh, yeah. suck some blood. Um, the, the, like, big climax of the movie has barrels being hurled around at poor stuntmen mm-hmm. and stuntmen taking big bumps, which is always admirable. Uh, the ending is almost poignant and kind of sad. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I just enjoyed watching this movie. It was very entertaining. Uh, kind of slow going, I suppose. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's kind of par for the course with some of these uh, movies that are always about padding out screen time sometimes with characters just talking in rooms. Yeah. Um, and also like, it seems like a lot of these black exploitation movies, they always have like a musical interlude that is always just kind of more like show stopping and kind of awkward and goofy. Yeah. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, Mm -hmm. I've also got myself some scream blackula scream. Uh, to look forward to later this month. And, that sounds uh, good. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I liked it. Uh, but then I watched actually probably one of the first like movies I genuinely liked uh, this month where I was like, this is actually really good. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's The Plumber from 1979, directed All by right. Peter Weir, uh, hmm. who's a director of some note. Um, so The Plumber was a Australian television movie. Um, mm-hmm. And I... I, it's been, it's classified as a horror film, but I think that's a bit of a stretch. Like it's definitely it's actually more in line with like a '90s thriller, I guess. Right. Uh, so the story goes: uh, a husband and wife were both academics. Uh, they are living on campus or like at one of these like buildings that like a campus owns. Uh, while mm-hmm. they're both doing their research, um, 
she's like kind of like into like ethnography and uh he is like a chemist also kind of uh, connected to ethnography where they're like he's kind of doing these explorations on like uh like diseases and like the, the maybe this like new rise of like cannibalism in tribes but that's like sort of yeah. like has nothing to do with the rest of the movie which is actually about um one day while he's like gone off to like do his science work uh she's at home doing her stuff and she gets to knock at the door and it's this like plumber who's shown up to work on their uh bathroom but it's like they never ordered this and he's just yeah. there to work on it and she's like well okay and he's apparently there in some capacity he knows enough about like the building and stuff like that that he seems to be legit um mm-hmm. and then he starts like just going into the bathroom and starts working away um, right. So the real tension of the film that goes on from this point is that so she's sort of this like you're kind of upper middle class uh, academic with this sort of uh, working class goofball who just like tells bad jokes and he's kind of annoying. He doesn't know where, like when to like leave well enough alone and like go back to work and let her do his do her work because she's like listening to these like audio tapes with like chants and stuff like that and he's like listening oh. and he's playing his shitty loud radio music. Yeah. Um, and it seems like he's like not very good at his job and he seems to just continuously make things worse. Um, and he keeps coming back and hanging around for hours every day. And it's just like, it's more like she's just being like inconvenienced and really annoyed by him. And so you get right. all these, like these exchanges between the, like her and the plumber. Um, and you kind of like, you don't know what's going on, which is like a really nice vibe. Like you don't know where it's going to go. You don't know how dangerous he is. If it's like, mm-hmm. is he who he says he is? And it turns out like, well, no, he actually is the plumber. He's just kind of, a, like kind of a, a weirdo, a, uh, not even a weirdo. He just, he's working class, but like in all the most obnoxious ways possible. Like when you imagine yeah. like loud mouse, like at a work site yelling and like wolf whistling at women and telling like shitty jokes. And he just doesn't, yeah, it's like, he seems just like a buffoon. And, um, so the film kind of goes like, it just keeps building this tension between the two. Um, her husband, he's like, doesn't want, he doesn't get like what her problem is. She's like, mm-hmm. what was he's the plumber? We'll just tell him to leave. And she's like, he won't leave. And, um, he's, but there's like, what I really liked about this movie, like especially like after watching a whole bunch of like these like horror movies, is like there's these these scenes where like, characters are just like talking and hanging out and like having genuine conversations that people actually might really have. Yeah, <laughs> it's like oh, this is like how humanity really operates. Um, I mean, it's so weird. It's like oh yeah, Peter Weir, he's actually a really good director. I forgot about that because it's been uh-huh. a long time since I've watched like uh, his like really great movies. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I didn't have much in the way of expectations with this film uh going in because right. it's actually just like a special feature on uh the dvd of his called the uh, the car that the cars that eat paris which is okay. like more like a crazy ish sort of like exploitation australian movie um and so this was just always on there and i was like oh the plumber eh because it pops up on like mm-hmm. various like kind of like unknown horror movie lists and i was like oh time to get it out of the way and yeah i really like this uh it's kind of like plays with this idea that like, you know, this idea that the working class is sort of this like really like terrifying thing because they, they're like the ones that make everything work. And if they decided to start fucking with you on a day-to-day basis, you'd be destroyed. Like you, what would you be able to do about it? They have access to your house. They could turn off the power. Uh, they can make your life really unpleasant. 
Um, yeah. But then, like, the film kind of flips that near the end because there's this whole idea that, like, well, at the end of the day, um, it doesn't take that much effort to, like, completely destroy a man's life if you really wanted to because no one's mm-hmm. going to believe that you wouldn't go out of your way to do that, like, out of malice or wrongfully mm-hmm. accuse someone. So there's, like, I guess that's sort of, like, I guess you, I would call it the horror of it because other than that, it pretty well plays, like, this weird kind of offbeat thriller, which is, like, totally mm-hmm. up my alley. So, yeah, uh, The Plumber, I thought, was really good. Cool. Um, on the flip side of The Plumber, uh, I followed that up with uh, the film Ebola Syndrome from 1996. Uh, I was mentioning uh, at the very beginning of this that uh, about Category 3 films. Well, this, yeah. is, like, this is a Category 3 film. Uh, so this movie stars uh, actor uh, Anthony Wong, who you might recall from uh, our John Woo uh, excursion. Oh, yeah. um, in Hard Boiled, he's the bad guy in that. Um, mm-hmm. Tony Wong, uh, he also collaborated with the director of Ebola Syndrome, uh, Herman Yao, when he directed this film called um, Untold Story. Um, okay. It's also got another weird title, like Eight Immortal Soul Story or something like that, uh, which is like they're both like similar themes about uh, working in the restaurant business. Um, mm-hmm. But Ebola Syndrome is so it starts off with a man. Uh, he's cheating on the boss's wife and the boss comes home, boss is pissed. He's going to cut his dick off, but, uh, Tony Wong spazzes out and manages to, uh, stab a guy in a dick, uh, kill another guy and kill Mm -hmm. his wife. And just before he's about to kill the little, the daughter of his boss, uh, a man walks in just a guy and he takes off and he's on the run and he takes off to South Africa where he starts working at a Chinese restaurant in Johannesburg. Hmm. Um, but he is a filthy, rotten piece of shit. <laughs> uh, like he likes to uh, masturbate with chicken breasts and blow his load inside of the shed's chicken breasts and then throw it oh, back into Jared. the container. Um, this Jared. movie, this movie is a dark comedy mashed in mm. with horror. Uh, like. <laughs> So there's a bit where uh, him and the restaurant owner, uh, they go to a, uh, I guess, South African tribe, a Zulu tribe that just happens to be nearby. And, of course, mm-hmm. on their way driving past, they drive by a cheetah and some giraffes and some elephants because that's, like, what happens in South Africa. They're just animals all over the place. Right. Um, but, of course, there's a uh, Ebola outbreak happening in this village where they're going to go get some pig meat for the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a bunch of, like, uh, they, they see a little like witch dance thing going on, a bunch of pustules. Um, they they get their pig meat. They're they're heading back. They have a uh, an argument after uh, uh, Tony Wong drives the car into a tree because of an elephant. Uh, Tony Wong goes wandering around. He sees this like uh, uh, black woman wandering around by a river, and she's obviously not doing well. And she I guess she has Ebola. He doesn't know that, but that doesn't stop her from raping her. And Mm -hmm. so he now contracts Ebola, but it turns out he's one of the one in 10 million that are immune to Ebola. So he now gets to become a spreader of it. Um, So he goes back to the restaurant. Um, He starts getting angry at how the restaurant wife uh, treats him like shit. And Mm -hmm. so he proceeds to almost rape her Um, husband walks in one thing leads to another everyone's getting killed and so now uh tony wong has to hide the bodies so he just uh takes their bodies cuts the meat down and starts making meat out of it uh and serves it to people 
some uh, South African bun- pork buns. Uh, so everyone starts eating these delicious uh, buns made of human flesh. Uh, <laughs> Let me watch this stuff. <laughs> I don't know. You weirdo. It seemed like a good idea at the time. No, this movie is um, it's funny. We, my friends and I, rewatched it, and you just like can't help but laugh at just like how ridiculous this all is, and just like how filthy uh, Tony Wong is. He just like grabbing his nuts and just adjusting himself, and like like blowing his nose and wiping his hands on shirts in department stores. It's just yeah. stuff like that. It just uh, it amuses me. Um, so yeah. Um, so then eventually uh, his misdeeds catch up with him. And so he's got to get out of South Africa. So he leaves. He goes back to Hong Kong. Oh, so the little girl that uh, he didn't uh, get to uh, set on fire like he wanted to because he mm-hmm. dumped a bunch of gasoline on her and was about to set her just up in, in a blaze. But that guy walked in the door. Uh, so she's like happens to be in South Africa. And uh, for some reason, whenever she's near him, she doesn't recognize him. But his smell, he, he smells of the stench of death. And she mm-hmm. starts like, just like needing to vomit, so she knows that there's something amiss, and that she, oh, it must be that guy. And so she goes back to Hong Kong, and their uh, their lives uh, entwine once more. Uh, in Hong Kong, the first thing he does is he goes and gets like a really fancy penthouse, and this is Tony Wong, and gets some he gets some prostitutes, and he has sex mm-hmm. with some prostitutes, and of course, like uh, I don't think this film really did its full research on like what Ebola does to a person, but in this film, people just start like kind of going going into convulsions like after a mm-hmm. day or so, and just start writhing around and start spraying stuff out of their mouths. Sure. Um, even though it lays out that like you actually have a fever for a while and then you get sicker and sicker. No, this film just cuts to the cuts to it. Cuts to it. All right. Yeah. Well. Um, okay. Yeah. So uh, Ebola syndrome is definitely an RJ pick. Um, oh, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know why you watch this stuff. It's horrible. It's, it's horrible. horrible. It, it puts the horrible in horrible. Mm. Yeah, like mm. uh, it's like I don't even know. What, I don't even know what you could call what genre you throw something like Ebola syndrome in, and like Jared. that movie Untold Story. It's like kind of not that far off. Like it's almost the same story, but it's like based on a true story. Um, mm-hmm. But he never leaves the restaurant, and it's actually based on a serial killer. He was killing people and then serving the meat to people, but it wasn't sure. Ebola infused meat. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, what else? Oh, there's a really sweet full body burn stunt in this movie. That's mm. like fantastic. Okay. Um, yeah, so if category three crazy horror movies with Tony Wong sound appealing to you, check out Ebola Syndrome. No, I'm okay. Okay. Um, and then I watched a new movie, a new mm-hmm. drop, The Wailing uh, from 2016, South Korean, uh, from the director of that movie, The Chaser. And there's like another one he did called... Uh, the Yellow Sea, uh, the whaling. I'd kept, I was hearing on podcasts from people who are in the know and living in cities where movies play in limited release, and they were all right. talking this up uh, really well. Um, right. Sounded like sort of like a South Korean exorcism movie. Okay, which it is. Um, but the movie actually, I'd say the first hour almost is like South Korean hot fuzz. All uh, um, right. Yeah. Have you seen Hot Fuzz? Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's just like. Okay. Yeah, it's gotcha. like it's like so it's like kind of this like bumbling cop who keeps finding himself in these like really grim horrific crime scenes. 
yeah. and like that's like there's just like this I, I don't know it's almost a movie that's like better to go in blind that seems to be like the thing I keep hearing from these podcast guys too and okay. since I'm a podcast guy maybe I should be leaving it uh, a little minimal because this is a brand new movie like it just came yeah. out on Blu-ray this week um, okay. but yeah it's uh, it's a bit long like it's over it's like two and a half hours Holy and shit. yeah it's it's a lengthy one and um I think it's pretty solid. I think it's a, we'll see how it holds up over time, but I think it's a, it's really good modern horror movie that people should like. Um, I, I've got a real soft spot for South Korean crime stuff. So like, I Mm -hmm. love the the procedural stuff. I was really a big fan of. And then there's also at times like funny, uh, which is like sort of like a nice thing to see, uh, after watching something like Ebola syndrome, which is just like grotesquely funny where this movie is actually trying to be like crowd pleasingly funny, but not in a shitty bad comedy way. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Um, yeah, Yeah. I I just, I don't really want to go too much detail on this one. Cause you recommend it. I recommend it though. People should check out the whaling. Uh, if you want to watch something new, um, how many movies you got left to talk about? Uh, I have three, but uh, I think I'm going to run out of time here, so oh. I can save mine. I don't watch as many movies as you do, okay? so I well, can save those. So uh, I'm going to start running through some of this stuff. I watched She, right. she, uh, she Killed an Ecstasy from 1971. That's a Jess Franco movie. Uh, mm-hmm. I haven't really got to talk about Jess Franco too much yet because uh, this is the first of my uh, horror season, but he's mm-hmm. a director I've really been turned on to in the last couple of years. Um, like I've mentioned before, like being a horror fan, you have to start really like plumbing the depths to find new stuff to watch after you've watched like all the obvious stuff and stuff that gets recommended to you and so Jess Franco's been kind of the guy I've been exploring because he made like 180 movies um, Mm -hmm. in his day and uh, so I've been kind of trying to pick through like the stuff that's been like better regarded but sure. uh, She Killed an Ecstasy is definitely more on kind of like also kind of on the thriller side of things mm-hmm. um, and it stars uh, uh, Solin- Soledad Miranda is the actress who okay. she's just this like young beautiful actress uh, that he worked with a few times but she unfortunately died at like a really young age like this movie came out in mm. 1971 she actually died in 1970 and um yeah, like it's just like this real bummer. Like when I was watching, because I thought she was like really cool in this movie. Um, Jess Franco, uh, if you don't know, he loves beautiful women. He loves packing his movies with just like foxy ladies, uh, right which I'm all for. And in this movie, she's a foxy lady who is getting revenge for her doctor uh, husband who was mm-hmm. uh, wrongfully dismissed by a committee of people who were not fans of his like experimentations on fetuses uh, oh. in, in the pursuit of science and doing mutations and experiments and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he killed himself because he couldn't do what he wanted to do anymore. And now she's out for revenge. And so she's uh, doing what she does best by seducing them via sex and then murdering them when she gets them into the bed. Cool. So that, uh, I like that movie. Uh, it's one of the better Jess Franco movies. There's like a lot, there's like, I don't know, you have to build up a knowledge base of Jess Franco movies to like start appreciating him because his stuff is all over the map, uh, quality wise. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I find him, his stuff is always interesting and have like a nice vibe to them. Um, and then I watched basket case Two. From 1990, oh, yeah. the the Belial's back. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the movie, like I haven't watched Basket Case One for a really long time, and I think it's got a really cool uh, 
uh, memory of it, but I, I always thought it was kind of a junky movie. So Best mm-hmm. Case 2, it opens up with a recap of it, and I was like, oh, yeah, that movie looks like shit in Blu-ray. And yeah. then uh, then this movie gets going, and uh, same director, same everyone's back. Uh, but it's a sequel, but it like totally goes in this total, uh, different direction where um, – you get way more, mon- you get like monsters and right. like the monsters look wicked. They have like such unique designs. Uh, it's kind of like in line with like night breeds, crazy monsters and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, yeah, it's just like the heyday of prosthetic makeup is upon us here. Um, mm-hmm. So that was, that sounds good. It's good. It's fun. Uh, yeah. Forgettable, uh, memorable for the makeup uh, sure. movie. Uh, and then I uh, went over to my, uh, girlfriend's parents house and i got to watch the new ghostbusters movie rj oh that sounds horrible um yeah horrible horrible well what i'll say about that movie um is the script sucks big time it's not funny at all it just sucks like the writing the actual jokes and stuff are the worst part of that movie Mm um i think that's what most people kind of agreed on yeah it's just like it i don't know it was just like i was watching it with like uh, I think like uh, my nephews, they're like mm-hmm. eleven and nine. They weren't laughing or like reacting at all to this movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The, the one young kid who's got to be a Jude, he's got to be a. Uh, they always are watching out for him to make sure he doesn't watch scary movies. Yeah. Um, and he just kept saying, "This isn't scary. That wasn't scary." Yeah. That wasn't scary. I'm like, well, okay. I didn't think Ghostbusters was going to be scary or anything like that, but I thought I'd be like at least chuckling at something or laughing, yeah. but no, nah, it's all very forced and kind of lame. Mm. Um, well, that's the, too bad. The the actress who plays Patty, the uh, the Winston stand-in, I guess. Oh, yeah. She's, Leslie Jones. Yeah, she's good. I thought uh, mm-hmm. she's definitely like one of the highlights of the movie, which then mm. like just makes me like go, go, wait, isn't she the one that's been targeted on Twitter like unfairly? Yeah. And it's like, oh, right. I yeah. Don't get any it, of that. it has nothing to do with anything in particular. Oh, yeah. except that she's probably the black woman. So oh, it's mm-hmm. fucking horrible. But yeah, because she's yep. like probably of what I, of the movie I watched, it was, she was the best part. So, mm. well, yeah. that's too bad. Yeah. Too um, bad. Yeah. Oh, and then I watched me some Dr. Giggles. Ooh, what's that about? Dr. Giggles is about a, uh, the son of a doctor who went mad after Mm -hmm. his wife died and started killing patients. And then he was arrested or killed or something in a fire at this old house. Um, but his son, uh, who would become Dr. Giggles, who giggles, um, Mm -hmm. he's crazy and he wants to be a doctor too. Um, and so mm. he, he's broken out of the insane asylum that he's being been kept in for a while. And he goes back to the town. It's like Halloween basically. And he just starts taking revenge on the town and killing a bunch of people. Like this movie's got a ridiculous mm. death count. Um, yeah. I think it's like 18, <laughs> which okay. is like, but the, the thing that was pissing me off, uh, with this movie is that it's obviously been hit with MPAA dick dictates like where it's just been edited so like all the stuff that you know that a bunch of like prosthetic guys had put Mm -hmm. effort into like making this movie really gruesome because what's the point of making these like horror slashers without that stuff it's all been chopped out so this movie is super bland um all you're left with is larry drake uh delivering doctor pun after doctor pun after doctor pun i mean i'm not exaggerating when i say every single line that he speaks is a doctor Mm -hmm. pun the one thing that actually was the most unsettling with this is that at no point does he get a malpractice joke in there. It's fucking bullshit. Uh, well, 
Okay, I'm, yeah. gonna, I'm gonna skip this one here. Yeah, uh, the highlight of this film is a birthing scene, actually, where he crawls out of the corpse of his own mother as oh. a child. It's like, oh, another We've one. We've all been there. We've all been there. Um, and then, oh, I walk. So I don't know how much time you got, RJ. I was just gonna say, I think maybe like at most ten minutes. Okay. So well, if you can, if you have some you want to crank through, or if uh, you want to save them, no, nah, we. Uh, we, I, I've got a up to you. I've got, we have, I'll have, uh, I have like a few more to go, but I'll talk about two and okay. we'll leave it at that. So I watched another Mario Bob movie mm-hmm. and that was Planet of the Vampires from 1965. Ooh, so cool. uh, my, the reputation of this movie was always that it seemed like uh, people thought it was boring and not like really that great because it's a science fiction movie, which Mario Bava isn't really associated with making like science fiction movies. He became more of the giallo thriller gothic horror guy so planet of the vampires is like this weirdo weird movie that's kind of tucked in there so Mm i had always like thought this movie had like the wickedest movie poster and an amazing movie title right and i was like well i heard it's like the movie that inspired alien even though ridley scott would say he's never seen planet of the vampires okay um so uh, i borrowed this from my friend Corey and watched his blu-ray of it which i'm really glad i did because it's mario mm-hmm. bava because this movie has like one of the most amazing like production designs i've seen in a science fiction movie from the 60s ever mm-hmm. this movie cool. looks fucking amazing um everyone all the characters all the astronauts they were these like uh, black uh leather suits with like yellow lining on them and mm-hmm. it looks so cool. Uh, I think they actually, uh, I always wonder if like Frank Quitely used that for his new X-Men comics that he did with Grant Morrison. Cause it's like mm-hmm. almost a very similar outfit and it just looks amazing on film. Uh, this movie is like all like in blues and reds and purples and stuff. Like uh, the ship's like very stock kind of science fiction ship, but uh, the costumes are amazing. The planet looks amazing. Um, the movie poster is full of shit because we don't actually see any giant walking alien vampires or anything like that, but we do get to see their giant bones left behind, which, uh, would then kind of be repurposed in alien and then Mm -hmm. Prometheus. Actually, uh, if you looked, if you type in planet of the vampires and Prometheus, you will see a side-by-side comparison of the costumes, which Prometheus very obviously then reused kind of and updated contemporarily. It's intentional, right? Um, like, they, they knew at that point that they were going to do that. And, like, the giant bones of, like, the engineers or whatever. It gets, it's all, like, Planet of the Vampire stuff now. Right. Um, but, yeah, uh, I had just watched a, like, Nicholas Winding Refn uh, interview. Uh, if him, like, in mm-hmm. Amoeba Records talking about some records he had bought and thought he was just super annoying. And then there's, like, another fucking thing with him talking about uh, his, like, inspiration for making movies. And I'm like, this guy's so annoying. I want to punch him in yeah. the face. And he actually was talking about how uh, he just, like, was involved with, like, a restoration of Planet of the Vampires in 4K and watching a, a beautiful 35-millimeter struck from the original negative thing. He said, oh, it's just so amazing uh planet of the vampires sure. so i went into this movie being like oh fuck i'm gonna hate this shit mm-hmm. but man this movie is really rad um i don't think it's like i i probably over like this movie in some ways because it's mm-hmm. so like the production value is so great yeah or the in our production design and the colors i just love looking yeah. at this movie because it's kind of incoherent at times and kind of slow going even though it's like only an hour and a half but i don't care because this movie just looked good the whole time and yeah. I just like looking at it, and it has this weird kind of vibe to it. 
Okay. The last movie we'll leave ourselves with, I think, mm-hmm. is Interview with the Vampire from 1994, oh, which is yeah. a movie I had never seen before outside of uh, it being on TV when I was a mm-hmm. kid and just kind of picking up bits and pieces here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie rules. Um, it's okay. I liked it. Uh, yep. <laughs> so what I thought about it was, I feel like this movie would make a really good mini series at this point. Like it feels yeah. like at like two hours, it's so compressed and a lot of stuff is just, uh, overlooked. Like, it's yeah. just like, I feel like stuff could be expanded upon, um, mm-hmm. it, well, it, Anne Rice, like the Prince of Stott, she's got like nine books about this guy. So it's, it's ripe, uh, ripe for a, yeah. uh, HBO, uh, take or something yeah i'm kind of surprised that hasn't really happened already but i yep. mean i was like i don't know everything i've ever heard about Anne rice makes me sound she sounds like such a thoroughly unpleasant boring person that like yeah seemed to like lucked into this like successful gotcha stuff. like i don't know yeah but yeah so the movie uh it's got old tom cruise uh mm-hmm. who i think i remember people being really mad about him being Lestat because he's not very like i don't know he looks weird in this. I always thought he looked weird with blonde, curly yeah, hair. The blonde hair. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, he's fine in the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Brad Pitt is, yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's like hunk alert, guys. I mean, uh, oh, yeah. Antonio Banderas, Brad Pitt, uh, big sexy Stephen Rhea. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, everyone. Yeah, all, everyone. all the classics. Yeah, and then got Christian Slater uh, there doing mm-hmm. Christian Slater things. Um, but yeah, no, the movie, it moved, it trucked along at a good pace. The thing that mm-hmm. I was most impressed with was how good the practical effects and like CGI use yeah. was. Like mm-hmm. it looks really good. Like all the effects in it actually hold up very well. Uh, yeah. actually the best shot in the movie is after, um, Brad Pitt and Kirsten Dunst, uh, have escaped from, uh, uh, New Orleans and they're on the yeah. boat and they're the watching boat. the fire. That yeah. is like a beautiful shot. Like, holy crap. Mm-hmm. Um, have you watched much Neil Jordan movies? Uh, a couple. Yeah. Uh, so I, I looked, I think a couple, but uh, I, I have a particular fondness to this. I have a, a sentimental attachment. As you said, I was a little kid. I watched this. It was on TV a lot, so I watched it all the time. I think this movie fucking rules. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I can't I can't remember. I looked before, and I've seen a couple of his movies, but I don't remember which ones, no. Uh, yeah, I think like stuff that jumps out for me with him is uh, The Crying Game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll be we'll be seeing some Neil Jordan someday because uh, he directed the film Mona Lisa, which is in the Criterion Collection. Um, yeah, he he also directed another vampire movie called uh, Byzantium uh, from oh, like, right, right. like four years ago or something like that. Uh, but yeah, there's the Crying Game. There's the one movie that's always been on my radar, The Butcher Boy, which uh, sounds something mm-hmm. good. And then there's also The Company of Wolves, uh, which is his anthology werewolf movie, also with. Uh, Stephen Ree and David yeah. Warner <laughs> and, and Angela Ooh. Lansbury. Oh, yeah. Lansbury. She wrote. Mm, that's true. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. That movie rules. I, I like it a lot. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that, that, like I said, I thought it was good. Uh, I didn't, yep. it didn't push over for me to like being like an all time banger or anything like that, mm-hmm. but I liked it well enough. Um, mm-hmm. it's I definitely like, cause I kind of had a fear with that movie too. Cause people talk about that movie the same way they talk about the lost boys. And I always, oh, I, I right. don't, I don't like the lost boys really at all. Yeah. Me neither. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'll take this one over lost boys any day of the week. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, cool. okay. Cool beans. <laughs> Yeah, I think maybe uh, maybe it's about that time. All right. 
Well, folks, I uh, hope you enjoyed the yammering. Uh, you can follow mm-hmm. us on Twitter at Criterion Creeps. Email us, criterioncreeps at gmail.com. Tell us about what you're watching. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell us if you have any thoughts about what we've talked about today or any other time. we got a Facebook page. We're on that uh, Tumblr, Instagram. Uh-huh. We're on Letterbox. Uh, subscribe on the Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. Uh, do it. Um, in a few days Better. here. We're going to be uh, recording another episode. We're going to be going mm-hmm. back onto the the Criterion stuff. We got Sam Fuller's Naked Kiss, Shock Corridor to talk about. Uh, yep. It'll be going under the Creeposcope. Uh, Ooh. Whoa. There you go. And uh, I'm going to start watching those movies uh, right after this. I think. Oh, right on. Yeah. Well, that sounds good. I want to. I want people to email in or reply and let us know what they think about Dario Argento's trauma. Yeah. Or or their favorite Brad Dourif movies. Why not? There you go. All right. All right. Well, cool. RJ, enjoy your uh, Thanksgiving meals. Oh, I'm going to be pretty bloated, so yeah. it's going to happen. Yeah. Outstanding. I'm going to eat my steak. Cool. Bye, folks. Bye. Bye.